Blog Talk Radio. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 44 for Thursday, May 27, 2010. The music you just heard was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury. The artist was Vertex Guy, V-E-R-T-E-X, Guy, G-U-Y, is the artist, and you can get that in any of the other music that we've used at ocremix.org. That's the letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Once again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. little housekeeping is always to start things off. Uh, the ads, we'll leave it at that. You, know, you guys know what you've got to do with them. If you want to support, definitely take a look at the ads on MyTakeRadio.com. The forums are uh, a little quiet this week. I haven't really had a chance to get in there and... Um, put up any new posts or content. Um, it, there's really a whole big transition going on in terms of me building a new forum. It is in uh, construction, so to speak. It's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, there's a lot of new content that got put up this week, lots of game trailers, lots of great articles um, from Slick, uh, my fiance Andrea, of course, myself. Um, hoping to get some other content up within the next few weeks. Um, I believe Brian, a.k.a., Mudkiss has an article that he's working on. I'm actually going to post it up. Um, that's going to be something that I'm going to start experimenting with. He will be the first. Um, those of you that have something in particular you want to write about that's, you know, of, of relevance to the show, um, I'm always interested in hearing what you guys have to say. Uh, once again, it's just another way to connect with you guys. And if you have anything of, of note or you'd like to submit a piece, definitely hit me up via email at mtrhost at gmail.com. Um, if it's something that would definitely add a little spice to the site, I would gladly post it up and, uh, of course, give you full credit as a guest on the My Take Radio staff. Nonetheless, with that also, the Facebook fan page has been fluctuating between 130 and 132 fans. It seems, uh, you know, up and down, up and down, people... Either they get off of Facebook because of the whole privacy control thing or who knows. But, of course, my goal is to at least get to 150 by the end of June. That's just a personal goal I have. Of course, surpassing 150 is key. Um, a couple of milestones already hitting the 15,000 download mark, um, well on our way, so to speak. A lot of people seem to be downloading from iTunes. Once again, if you are getting the show from iTunes at a later date, Please take a few minutes, stop in, uh, rate the show, and leave a review just to help My Take Radio go up the podcast rent, uh, the podcast rankings and uh, help us get a little bit more exposure. Um, also, Big Apple Comic Con is in October. Um, working on getting a presence established there. 
um, as a member of the press for once and not as just a fan. Also, the UFC Expo in Boston is being decided. Uh, 50-50 chance that I'll get to go. We'll see what happens. Got to get a couple of bones fixed. So hopefully we'll see if I'm ready to go for that. Also, before I get into this week's show, um, one thing I did want to say during the month of June, just a reminder, there will be um, probably a week of downtime for MyTakeRadio.com. There will be pretty much a brand-new design, hopefully, as well as a brand-new forum. That's why the forum's kind of fallen by the wayside. Also, I will be testing out a new chat feature, um, totally separate from the chat that goes on during the show. I am giving serious thought to doing a chat um, on the page, you can go in there and interact with fellow listeners, discuss different topics, something that I've been working on. I'm actually going to be discussing it with fellow staff members over the coming weeks. Uh, that, that would be Slick, probably, my fiance, Bronx, of course, uh, Mortis, which, by the way, if any of you in the chat or any of you listeners know Mortis, tell him to drop me a line and let me know how he's doing, please, just because I haven't heard from him and he hasn't submitted any work in a while, so I just want to make sure everything is good with him. Um, besides that, that pretty much a wrap up the housekeeping for this week. A little bit of a rundown of some of tonight's topics. We're going to talk about some of the upcoming UFC cards, of course, um, a new home base for the UFC, Kimbo Slice's future. Uh, somebody got released from the WWE, and as well as a lot of injuries coming out of the pay-per-view. A couple of shakeups at Microsoft. Uh, Reward Zone is going to get some competition from an unlikely source. Mass Effect the movie, casting for X-Men First Class, and all the other bullshit that comes across my desk. With that being said, let's talk a little MMA first. Uh, first off, this week's Ultimate Fighter, I definitely want to get into that. The fact of the matter is that we actually were privy to the whole big issue that happened with Tito Ortiz. Pretty much it turns out that Tito had uh, neck surgery. He had a fusion done in his vertebrae. And it seems that, you know, that was a big factor towards him not being able to compete. He was experiencing a lot of numbness in his arms, headaches. He had a lot of issues from his fight with Forrest. It appears that he had received his neck fusion surgery March 15th. Um, just a, he had a lot of injuries going in after his fight with Forrest. He had a fractured orbital socket, a fractured orbital bone, uh, concussion, neck issues. But it turned out that his issues were all stemming from an issue in his neck. He actually woke up one morning. He had no feeling in his arms and could barely walk. He ended up having neck fusion surgery um, in addition to lower back fusion surgery, and they put plates and screws in his neck. Based on this, it, it's really looking like Tito will be removed as coach from the Ultimate Fighter next week. Not 100% sure, but reports are leading to the fact that Rich Franklin will take over as a coach, and that's also solidifying the fact of uh, Liddell and Franklin meeting at the next UFC event. The fact is, I'm a huge fan of Tito's. It's, it's really disappointing, um, all these injuries. Not because everybody gets injured. I'm walking around with injuries as we speak. But the fact is that every time he has a, a, a subpar performance, the injury excuse comes up. And I really hope that he gets everything taken care of, gets himself back to 100% before getting back in the octagon, just so that he doesn't have any excuses to fall back on. Not that he is falling back on them, but, you know, it seems to be uh, a running gag every time he loses that something went, something was amiss. So, nonetheless, I wish him a speedy recovery. Hopefully he's gotten his issues straightened out and he'll be ready to fight 
Um, rumors are saying that he'll probably be ready to fight in October or November, so hopefully Team Punishment will rise again this holiday season, and we'll get to see that Chuck and Tito fight finally. If you want any further information as well as a bit of video that was put up regarding Tito's injury, you can check out the article uh, my fiancé put up on MyTakeRadio.com. Moving on, this week's Ultimate Fighter, besides, of course, the revelation of Tito's injury, there was uh, setups for quarterfinals. Uh, the first quarterfinal fight was between Kyle Noak and Chris McCray. Uh, Chris McCray ended up winning by unanimous decision. Um, Kyle definitely showed a little bit of weakness in his wrestling, but Chris McCray had a good performance. A lot of people were saying that Kyle took the fight, but of course you shouldn't leave it in the hands of the judges, and McCray ended up winning by unanimous decision. The middleweight quarterfinal fight between Brad Tavares and Seth, and Seth Bozinski was a really good fight from start to finish. There was a couple of power bombs. Uh, Brad Tavares, strong dude, power bombed Seth Bozinski twice while in a triangle choke to break out. It ended up being that the fight was stopped because Seth hit a soccer kick to the head um, just as the round was over. Uh, Brad Tavares, of course, pretty much, uh, it, it appeared almost like he had gotten a flash KO. The doctor checked on Brad and ended up feeling that he can no longer continue, so Brad Tavares ended up winning by DQ. Um, Tito, of course, went to bat for his fighter, started to complain, saying that uh, Seth ended up kicking him in the armpit. Based on the video I saw, that dude got kicked in the fucking face. Um, it's ridiculous. And, of course, right at the end, they, uh, Chuck was told that Tito was pulling out of the fight because of an injury. We're going to see the final quarter, final fight next week plus a semifinal fight announcement, and, of course, the future of Tito Ortiz. We're going to see that next week. Um, overall, like I said, a very good season. I'm very happy to finally know what the fuck happened to Tito just because it was something that didn't help me focus on the whole season. But nonetheless, overall solid from start to finish. I'm really looking forward to the next few episodes because it seems like the final matches are starting to come together real nicely. So definitely props to the Ultimate Fighter this week. In other MMA news, Ricardo Almeida confirmed that on the daily line that he will be fighting Matt Hughes. Of course, Matt Hughes recently defeated Henzo Gracie. He also defeated Hoist Gracie. And, of course, Ricardo, Ricardo Almeida is a student of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, so he's looking to avenge his teacher's loss. Um, nonetheless, that card is shaping up to be really good. It's rumored to be happening at UFC 117. Um, which is the main event with Anderson Silva fighting Chael Sonnen, uh, Thiago Alves and John Fitch, Junior Dos Santos and Roy Nelson are rumored for that card. Uh, like I said, Almeida and Hughes and Dos Anjos and Clay Guida. Um, the preliminary card rumored thus far, uh, Thiago Silva's on that card, as is Ben Saunders. Also, in keeping with the, the bit of talk with, Renzo, with Henzo Gracie, I should say, he confirmed that former Bellator competitor and undefeated middleweight Dave Branch was signed to a four-fight deal with the UFC. Definitely props to Branch. He's a uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under Gracie. He won all six of his fights via stoppage, half of them by submission, half by KO. Just a fantastic record. He's won a couple of Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitions across the country, and two of his brothers are professional boxers. So I think he's going to be a definitely a definite good addition to the middleweight division. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. UFC on Versus 2 started to be finalized this week. That's going to be August 1st on, on the Versus Network. The main event is going to be John Bones Jones. He's going to be fighting Vladimir Matsushenko. Uh, Mark Munoz is going to be fighting Yushin Akami. 
Jake Ellenberger is going to be fighting John Howard. Takanori Gomi is rumored to be fighting Joe Stevenson. The preliminary card, which will probably be on Spike, hopefully. Demarcus Johnson will be fighting Matthew Riddle. James Irvin is on that card, as is Brian Stan and Rob Kimmons. So definitely, if you have verses, I recommend you checking it out. You can just continue to watch the great development of John Bones Jones. The guy is just a, a f- fantastic fighter and just always exciting to watch. Uh, Matyushenko is not a pushover. That guy is a, a fucking legend. I've seen a lot of his fights, and he's no joke. So I'm definitely excited for UFC on Versus. Also, they were finalizing the UFC, UFC 116 prelims for Spike TV. That's, of course, July 3rd. The main event is Brock Lesnar fighting Shane Carwin. You got Yoshihiro Akayama fighting Vandalay Silva, Matt Brown, Chris Lytle, Bonner and Szczynski, the rematch, Kurt Pellegrino and George Sotaropoulos, and the preliminary card is going to be Brendan Schaub, and also on that card is going to be Kendall Grove. That's the free uh, two fights on Spike TV. The unaired fights are going to be Paul Kelly and Jacob Volkman. John Madsen's on that card, as is Daniel Roberts. Uh, good old Kimbo Slice, a uh, 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 favorite fighter of mine, recently cut by the UFC. His manager, Mike Ember, recently spoke about Kimbo's future. He was saying that Kimbo Slice is looking at opportunities in both MMA and boxing, but he, and in the end he said that it is up to Kimbo to confirm what he plans on doing. He said those guys gave Kimbo, a, in referring to the UFC, he said those guys gave Kimbo an incredible opportunity, and we can't thank them enough for that. Who knows what the future will bring. Kimbo Slice, to me, has great potential. Of course, age is a hindrance, but he just needs to stick with a solid camp and work his way back. He's got to do a couple of smaller shows. He's got to work on submission defense. And he's, he's gotten really good at, at, at blocking some takedowns. He also has to learn to check kicks. Um, those kicks that were delivered in his last fight against Mitrione were devastating. He took a lot of punishment on the knee, and it definitely affected his overall performance. Kimbo Slice, strong guy, strong hands. Just unfortunate that age is definitely a factor, and he's just coming in really late into the game. I I hope that he gets the opportunity to fight again in the UFC just because the fans embraced him, and he was just really humble, and he made me a fan real quick. I mean, the YouTube shit made me a fan just because I'm uh, I'm always down to watch some sort of a freak show fight, but he made me a fan with his humbleness, and I really hope he makes it back into the UFC in the near future. Of course... The UFC continues to expand, and they recently announced that they were opening an office in Toronto. Uh, the, for, the former commissioner for the CFL will be heading that up, Tom Wright, and it's just the continuing expansion of the UFC into other markets. Um, right now they're looking at expanding further into Asia, further into Europe, um, China also. Dana White's goal is to run at least at minimum 100 events a year, when asked what target, what country he would target next, he said India. He said there's 300 million males aged 18 to 24. That's more people than there are actually in the United States. So it should be interesting. I'm definitely appreciating the fact that the UFC is expanding at such a great rate. It continues to just push a sport that I enjoy into new markets. should be interesting to see. Um, in some strike force news, a fight, a fight that I was excited to see was uh, Bobby Lashley fighting in the upcoming Strike Force event. It seems that he will not be able to due to a, a knee injury that he recently sustained. Nonetheless, um, the June 16th card will continue without Lashley. Uh, the main event is going to be Robbie Lawler fighting Babalu. Uh, Tim Kennedy is going to be fighting Trevor Prangley. That's going to be 
taking the place of the Lashley fight against Ron Sparks. Uh, Evangelista Santos is going to fight Zoromskis. Shane Del Rosario is going to fight Lolo Hea Mahe, which definitely a fight I want to see. That's going to be on Showtime on June 16th. Forrest Griffin, who I announced last week, pulled out of his fight against Antonio Ruggiero Nogueira due to a shoulder injury, had to require surgery. Um, he had minor sh- surgery. He's going to have physical therapy for six weeks, and he'll be out for 12 weeks. But he'll probably be back late September, early October at best. So definitely a speedy recovery for Forrest, hoping that he gets himself together and gets back in the cage real soon. Forrest is a great fighter to watch. He also knows how to sell fights, and he talks a, a great deal of shit that makes the fights a lot more exciting. This coming weekend, of course, is UFC 114. That's going to be on pay-per-view. The UFC primetime specials have been fantastic. I actually got to see some of the weigh-in footage. Those guys, Rampage and Rashad Evans, are going to fucking kill each other, period. There's going to be a lot of, and I'll use the quote that Rampage said, there's going to be a lot of black-on-black crime. That's for sure. The face-off between those two guys was one of the most intense face-offs I've seen in a while. There wasn't any putting hands up. There wasn't any screaming or rah-rah, and it was just straight, I'm going to put my fist through your head and yank your spine through your mouth type of shit. And I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, I definitely am 99% certain that I'm ordering it. Odds are uh, if Handel wants to stop through, he's more than welcome to do so, and I'm more than sure he'll have... Um, some exciting commentary about the fight next week if he does stop through. Um, also on that card is going to be Michael Bisping fighting Dan Miller. Todd Duffy, who's on the cover of Muscle and Fitness this month and is actually a really good fighter and a great all-around athlete, is going to be fighting Mike Rousseau. Jason Brill stepped in for the injured Forrest Griffin to fight Antonio Ruggiero Nogueira. And John Hathaway is going to be fighting Diego Sanchez. The preliminary card will be on Spike TV. Dong Young Kim is going to be fighting Amir Sadala, and Efrain Escudero is going to be fighting Dan Lazan. The preliminary card has Melvin Gillard on there, Aaron Riley, Jesse Forbes, Luis Kane. Overall, solid, solid fight. All, solid fights all around. I can't. I made some picks on some of the televised fights and the prelims. Definitely go to mytakeradio.com and you can see that as well. Um, overall, I'm just excited for the fight. I can't even. I can't even go into any deeper detail because the web has just been flooded with it. The UFC Expo is going to be in full effect. Just all kinds of shit going on, so it should be interesting. Um, in a bit of a fallout from that strike force melee that happened a while back, it seems that the Tennessee Athletic Commission will be fining five individuals, and they will also be asking for, at minimum, a nine-month suspension. Uh, of course, those fines can be negotiated, odds are they're not going to be as high. Right now they're saying that there's going to be at least a civil penalty of $20,000. It's, it's a huge fallout. Jake Shields, Mayhem Miller, Gilbert Melendez, and Nick Diaz are all in danger of being fined and possibly suspended. Um, Nate Diaz also is probably going to be cited as well, not probably with a suspension, but definitely with a fine. That's going to wrap up the MMA news for this week. We're going to go into some wrestling news right after this commercial break. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight, tumbling with tumbleweed? 
Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, and we're back. Let's talk some wrestling first. Earlier this week, WWE.com reported that Carlito Colon was released due to his first wellness violation and his subsequent refusal to go to rehab. Um, I was really bummed about it. Um, Carlito Colon is a uh, favorite of mine. He's always been a really unique character. His wrestling persona was really cool. And, you know, I, I, I was happy to see a fellow Puerto Rican make it. You know, I'm really bummed that it went down the way it went down. But it seems that he had developed an addiction to painkillers. His father, Carlos Colon, was interviewed in a newspaper in Puerto Rico, and they asked him about what drugs he was using. He said that his son tested positive for what they suspected, well, he was suspected of abusing painkillers, and that was true. He was saying that a lot of the painkillers that he were taking were for back pain, given the fact that he was using uh, those painkillers to offset some back pain that he's been sustaining due to the uh, finishing maneuver he uses conveniently and apropoly called the backstabber. Um, unfortunately, his father did say he was offered the opportunity to go to rehab, and he refused. And pretty much when that happens, WWE has to cut you loose. Um, he will be wrestling in Puerto Rico. It, it, it really sucks, though, just because they had started to put him back with his brother Primo, and they were going to probably be calling up his cousin and forming a bit of a stable to either work with Ted DiBiase or to feud with the Hart Dynasty. So I'm really bummed that it went down the way it went down. I, I honestly hope that he's able to go to rehab, his family's able to convince him to go to rehab, because these guys that refuse to go to rehab, it's a real sad thing to say, but they end up dead, because all these pre prescribed medications just take a toll on their body. It's, a, it's really some hardcore shit, and I, um, I really hope he gets himself together and is able to do something with his career, man, because he, he, the kid had a lot of talent, and it's really shitty that it's going to go down the way it's going to go down, but what can you do? In some other WWE news, they started promoting their upcoming guests for Monday Night Raw. May 31st, Ashton Kutcher is going to be hosting Raw. He's going to be uh, promoting his film, The Killers, uh, which looks totally, totally abysmal, but whatever. June 7th, I'm actually excited for because the cast of the A-Team will be hosting Raw, which is funny just because Bradley Cooper... Charlotte Copley, and, of course, Quentin Rampage Jackson will be there June 7th. It's going to be fucking awesome, just because I know that there's going to be some serious shit talking from Rampage. You're probably going to see the A-Team van show up, because it wouldn't be a, a movie tie-in without some sort of a plug. But definitely excited for Raw on June 7th. June 14th out of Charlotte, um, Mark, I can't even say this guy's name, Mark Fierstein from Ro USA's Royal Pains will be the guest host for June 14th. Um, this past weekend was the WWE Over the Limit pay-per-view. Let me first off say that I saw the pay-per-view. I was not impressed whatsoever. Some of the matches were not that good. Um, I have to say that it was really good that Kofi Kingston won the Intercontinental title. Uh, definitely, it, it shows a push towards promoting more African-American wrestlers and Kofi Kingston getting the IC belt was a step in the right direction. Also, Ted DiBiase was fighting R-Truth. R-Truth also ended up catching the victory uh, by beating Ted DiBiase with his finishing move, the lie detector. Um, Rey Mysterio and CM Punk, 
I really expected CM Punk to lose, I mean, for Rey Mysterio to lose and join the uh, Straight Edge Society, but in a really crazy twist of fate, it ended up being CM Punk losing and getting his, sh- his head shaved. Uh, CM Punk had to have 13 staples put in his head because of a cut that he sustained from Rey Mysterio's knee brace. Definitely a disaster, but overall a solid match. Rey Mysterio's being rumored to be taking some time off due to some nagging knee injuries and to spend some time with his family. Um, I, I really didn't expect CM Punk to cut his hair, but it went down the way it went down. Uh, the unified tag team title match with The Miz and Chris Jericho against the Hard Dynasty was actually one of the best matches on the card. The Hard Dynasty ended up winning and retaining the belts with uh, doing their heart attack submission maneuver, their heart attack finishing maneuver on The Miz. So. Overall, definitely a great tag team match for sure. Uh, Randy Orton ended up fighting Edge and ended up getting injured in the midst of their match. It seems that Randy Orton separated his shoulder at one point during the match, and um, the match definitely had to be cut short, and they ended up going with a double countout uh, ending to the match just because of Randy Orton's injury. Randy Orton will probably be taking some time off, allegedly, um, the extent of his injury, even though it's a separated shoulder, they haven't said how much of a recovery time he's going to need. But nonetheless, really sad end. I expected a really good outing by these two for this match, and I was kind of bummed that he got injured. Uh, the world title match with Jack Swagger and the Big Show was a clusterfuck of shit. The Big Show ended up winning via DQ because Swagger hit him with the belt. The match sucked. The Divas title match with Eve and Maurice was a train wreck. And John Cena and Batista for, was an I quit match which everybody knows, as I've said the last few weeks, that Batista was going to not renew his contract with WWE, and it ended up being him quitting and John Cena winning uh, via attempted attitude adjustment on top of a car. Nonetheless, Batista's being rumored to be contemplating an MMA career. First off, he's too fucking old. Second of all, his body is held together with Elmer's glue. Thirdly, they do drug testing, and I don't give a fuck what you say. You're like 40-something years old and chiseled out of stone. You are on steroids, and the fact that you even are entertaining going into MMA is absurd. But nonetheless, that was the the over-the-limit card. Not overly impressed, but hey, it happened. But not for nothing, afterwards I ended up finding out that Ted DiBiase suffered a concussion in his match with R-Truth. He ended up getting a concussion from a slap, allegedly. Nonetheless, he did get a concussion, and he will not be wrestling for the next few weeks. Batista, of course, suffered a back and or tailbone injury. Um, it was said that he suffered it towards the end of his match with John Cena. Batista, injury, hand in hand. And you want to go into MMA? You're out of your fucking mind, dude. But with that said, quick commercial break. We're going to get into the game segment right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music? And they laugh in like really high voices like <laughs> Well you won't listen to that on our show. Cause uh we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh void of fake laughter, video game news radio. Eleven PM Tuesday nights. On all games. All right. Let's talk some video games. Before I head into that, 
If you want to discuss any of the stuff discussed in the MMA segment or the wrestling segment, the call-in number is 347-324-3541. Or if you want to contribute to anything that, that's going to be discussed in the game segment, feel free to call in and share your thoughts. First off, a little bit of PC gaming news for those of you that are fans of Fable. Uh, Fable 3 will be having a limited collector's edition and a regular edition. The regular edition, of course, will be $59.99. The collector's edition will be $79.99. You're going to get a new quest. You're also going to get, um, with the collector's edition, playing cards, uh, gilded seal coin, and, um, of course, some downloadable content. You're going to be able to pick that up. The PC version is going to run you 50 bucks and you'll be able to get that from games on demand or games through Windows. So for those of you that are fans of Fable 3, you've got a couple of different options to enjoy the game at its fullest. Killzone 3, of course, is a no-brainer that it will be announced at E3, but the latest edition of GamePro seems to have dropped a couple of tasty bits of information, which I, of course, am more than willing to share with you guys. First off, they added jetpacks to the game, and they're also going to add, of course, the Hellgast as usual. There's going to be levels set in the snow. They're also going to be having an optional stereoscopic 3D, provided your TV can, uh, can support it. They're also going to be showing a new weapon called the Wasp, which shoots a flurry of rockets. And Naughty Dog worked with Guerrilla Games on the graphics engine. Um, given Naughty Dog's great track record with Uncharted, it's a no-brainer that they lent a little bit of their magic towards Killzone 3. I played the first kill zone. It was okay. My, my big issue is that I personally have an issue playing first-person shooters on the PS3. I don't know why. Just the way it is, I can play them a lot better on the 360. I'm, I'm guessing because I have big-ass thumbs, and the fact that the two analog sticks are so close together sucks. And every time I play a first-person shooter, my thumbs rub together, starting a small fire on my hand. Nonetheless, um, definitely Killzone 3 is a game that a lot of you that are fans of first-person shooters on the PS3 will be buying immediately. So looking forward to it. As soon as I get some video, I will be putting that up on MyTakeRadio.com. Uh, Microsoft took the opportunity to announce that Halo Reach will be released worldwide September 14th. Japan will be getting the game a day later on the 15th. 2.7 million players have played the multiplayer beta, making it the most played multiplayer beta ever. You're going to be able to pre-order it, of course, the standard $59.99 version, the limited edition $79.99 version, and the I Rape Your Pockets Legendary Edition $149. Um, the centerpiece, of course, for the Legendary Edition is a 10-inch tall, hand-painted, individually molded Noble Team statue, which is going to be made by McFarlane Toys. Um, fans are also going to receive a token to unlock an exclusive in-game Spartan Recon helmet by picking up the game on launch day at certain North American retail stores. Um, odds are probably GameStop will provide that shit and or Best Buy or maybe even Amazon. Nonetheless, if you're a Halo fan, you're going to be glued to your TV September 14th and either parting with 60 80 or 150 bucks. So look forward to that, folks. For those of you that are fans of Fallout, a couple of things they're going to be changing for the upcoming Fallout New Vegas. Um, originally, there was always the issue of using big or small weapons, but those two skills have been merged into, you, into an overall general weapon skill. Um, explosive weapons like rocket launchers are going to be classified as explosives. Um, they're also going to have bobbleheads, which are going to be 
boosting skills along with companion loyalty, and you're also going to have different factions that you can meet. Um, a new weapon also was revealed, which is going to be an orbital laser. The weapon is going to be able to use, you're only going to be able to use it once per day in the game, and it's going to be, of course, highly destructive. You're probably going to end up seeing a little bit of Fallout New Vegas at E3 as well, so definitely look forward to that. And before I talk about my favorite company, GameStop, I'm actually going to share a little story, which I'm debating starting a, a segment called Tales from GameStop, just because every time I go to GameStop, and Slick is my witness to this, every time I go, it's never a smooth transaction. It's either I want to burn the store to the ground, I either want to punch an employee in the face, or I just walk out in disgust. In this particular instance, um, I had to go to GameStop to pick up the new UFC Undisputed 2010 game, which I will give a review later on in the broadcast. Um, I had originally gotten suckered into pre-ordering the PlayStation 3 version because it came with exclusive legendary fighters like Hoist Gracie and I believe Dan Severn. So initially the allure of that, I'm like, ah, that'll be pretty cool. Um, after I pre-ordered, I said to myself, what, you know, the worst that can happen is I change my mind and change my pre-order. So I come home, I played the demos for Undisputed on Xbox 360 and PS3. Of course, the Xbox 360 control ended up being better for gameplay, at least for me, and I ended up saying to myself, I'm going to go with the 360 version. Tuesday, I meet up with fellow MTR staff member Slick, we go into GameStop. I walk in there. First off, when I walk in there, there's a guy buying Alan Wake. And that's great. Alan Wake is a great game. The GameStop employee is pretty much giving this guy the rim job to get him to pick up the $35 strategy guide for Alan Wake. In the era of the Internet and GameFAQs.com, why would you pay $35 for a fucking strategy guide? But... but that had no, no bearing on the thing. The guy was doing the hard sell. I'm on my fucking lunch break. And in the end, the guy's like, nah, I don't want the strategy guide because it's fucking $35. Hello, that's the price of a fucking, uh, of a decently used game. Nonetheless, I walk up to the attendant. I tell him, hey, man, I'm here to pick up the UFC game. Listen, I don't want to pick it up for the PS3. Do you mind giving me the 360 version? All right, fucko decides to decides to get pitch an attitude, he goes, dude, you're killing me. And I'm like, I'm killing you. Am I killing you that you can walk over to the fucking cabinet and take out the 360 version? Is that so hard? Because if it is, I can just leave and take back my five bucks. No, 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 I can do it. I'm just going to have to do a return and give it back to you. All right, fine. So the return, he must have been typing with a fucking abacus because it took an extra 15 minutes. And I buy the game. I traded in the old UFC Undisputed as well as regular Street Fighter 4 for the PS3 and Gears of War 2 because obviously I didn't want them. So he says to me, do you have an edge card? I'm like, no, dude, I don't. He's like, do you want one? I'm like, no, can I just have my fucking game? He's like, yeah, but if you had the card, you'd get 30% more on your trades. Don't give a flying fuck. Can I get my game? So as I look down... I realized that for each game, I got $6.50, which, of course, now those games will probably be sold for 30 bucks. But I didn't feel too bad because UFC Undisputed is a greatest hits title. It's probably 20 bucks new. 
So if it's like $17 used, eh, not too bad. Same shit with Street Fighter 4, same shit with Gears of War 2. I mean, I took it for what it was because I didn't want to put them on eBay and deal with listing fees and shady people that buy the shit. But just the whole transaction frustrated me to the point where I wanted to take the guy and punt his head out the fucking window. That's how bad it was. It's like, look, I'm a customer. I know you guys have to do your job and sell me these fucking plans and all this shit and give me the reach around. That's great. But you know what? I'm not in the mood for the reach around today. Can I just give you my 60 bucks, take my fucking game, and go home? It's not hard. It really is the worst thing. It's like, I just want to walk in, give you my money, and walk out. Sadly, it's never the case. And I'm glad Slick was there because a lot of times I tell him these stories of what happens to me in GameStop, and he must think I'm either a maniac or just out of my fucking mind or just severely, severely antisocial, but that's never the case. And I have at least three other people that can attest to the fuckery that goes on in GameStop. Nonetheless, after, after all that, I read the following. Of course, those of you that shop at Best Buy know that Best Buy has a reward zone system. You sign up for it for free. You get points every couple of weeks or every, every month or two. You either get um, a gift certificate for 5 to 10 bucks that you can redeem to, of course, save some money on whatever shit you're buying. The more you spend, the more points you get, the more certificates you get, right? Plain and simple. GameStop, of course, has to fuck shit up and complicate things by coming out with their own reward zone type system. There's two versions. They have their free version, which you get 10 points for every new game or console you buy. If you buy any pre-owned games, you get 20 points. If you do trade-ins, you get 20 points per every dollar towards your trade-in. So, you know, of course, every game they're going to give you five bucks for it. You're going to get some sort of a birthday bonus, a members-only bonus. You're going to get some sort of an epic reward giveaway. You're going to get... 250 points for some sort of online activation and for establishing a game library. I have no idea what the fuck that is. But of course, no, we can't just give you the free version. We gotta give you the we're gonna put our thumb in your ass version, which is $14.99. You get 10 points just like the free one, 20 points on pre-owned games just like the free one, 20 points for trade-ins just like the fucking free one. You know what the $14.99 gets you? Two epic reward giveaways. You're going to get one buy two, get one free offer for pre-owned stuff. You're going to get a point bonus on purchases. You're going to get a pre-owned purchase discount of a whole 10%. And on top of that, you're going to get a 10% trade-in bonus. You're giving me the sales tax as a trade-in bonus. You're giving me the sales tax as a purchase discount. Oh, and I get the 12 issues of that wonderful dirt rag game informer. Isn't that the edge card, but just with fucking points? I, I really have to just take a moment and look at this clearly, because, of course, they're testing this out in Ohio, Tennessee, and Missouri, where, of course, these guys are going to think that it's the greatest fucking thing ever. No, it's not. Because those points, you're going to redeem them for gift cards, for GameStop, as well as movie and dinner coupons, and Xbox Live and Net Netflix subscriptions as well. You're also going to get points. Here's where the fuckery comes in. You'll earn points if you purchase warranties for your games. 
Are you fucking kidding me? Who buys a fucking warranty for a game? Who? Who? What, what are you going to do? Oh, my game is scratched. Oh, I have a warranty. I'm going to go back to the store. It's called toothpaste, motherfucker, and you buff it out. Anybody who gets conned into buying a warranty for a game should be beaten with a wet bag of diarrhea. Period. Just beaten and then dragged down the street. Because anybody who buys a warranty for a, for a $50 game is a moron. Period. It, it really, I don't understand what is the allure of their reward zone system. Why do you have to fuck everything up? How about this? Here's an idea, GameStop, and I hope you guys are listening. You take your little epic, you take your little fucking edge card, and you run it in through a shredder. That's what you do first. And you go, we're not going to offer the edge card. We're going to do GameStop rewards. That's it. You walk in, you buy shit. You get points. We email you a certificate. Or we'll give you a gift card on site. Or we'll give you a discount on site when, you're, when your time is, when you, are, when you have enough points to get a discount. How hard is that? What is all this extra shit? Epic rewards, online activation, game library. Who gives a fuck? Now, how hard is it? Why can't you guys just do something so easy as a reward zone system? Best Buy is great. They don't offer you the shit. They tell you once, do you want to sign up for the reward zone? You go, okay, it's free. They give you your little fucking key thing. In my case, I have it on my phone. You walk in. They go, do you have a reward zone card? You scan it, and you wait a few weeks. And magically, you open your inbox, and there's a $5 gift certificate in there. No. GameStop wants to help you buy dinner, help you buy movies. Why? Just give me a fucking gift certificate. I, oh, my God. Fuck me. Fuck me sideways with this shit. It's awful. And then the, the, the explanation for their epic reward giveaways are going to be beta testing slots or possible trips. And, of course, free members are going to get one entry, but paying members, they get a two. You get two of them. Hooray. It's like if unless I get a, a trip to E3 or a trip to, like, the San Diego Comic-Con, fuck your giveaways. And fuck your reward zone system. You want to know why? Because this is going to lead to a whole new bout of frustration with you walking in and then going, have you signed up for the power-up program? You'll get points. Blah, 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 blah. Not interested. Are you sure? If you sign up, we'll take you in the back and rub your balls. No, not interested. But, but if you get it now, you get 12 issues of Game Informer and a free anal probe. What the fuck, man? Holy shit. It's, it's, it's a train wreck. They even fuck up reward zone programs. And, you know, I really try not to shit on GameStop. I understand that they're a corporate entity and they're out there trying to do what they got to do. But they really are against gamers. As much as they sell us shit, nine times out of ten, they just want to fuck us. That's what it is. They just want to fuck us. There, there's, there's no you're, GameStop. The place you stop to get games. Not where you stop and get your money taken from you at gunpoint for Game Informer. That's not, that's not it. It's your stop for games. Not for fucking food stamps, WIC checks, 
dinner coupons to the fucking Olive Garden, free popcorn, Netflix. No. Hi, I just want to buy a game. That's it. <sighs> Fuck, I need a drink of water. You know what? I'm going to take a quick commercial break because I need some water because GameStop even takes my fucking saliva. They can't even let me live and, and have saliva. They have to take that from me as well. Fuck you, GameStop. Fuck you. I'll be back after this commercial break. Hey, everybody. This is Donnie Anderson from Tumbling with Tumbleweed, and I'm here with my daughter, Sophia, who has a very special message for all of you. Sophie? <gasps> Listen to Tumbling with Tumbleweed, or my daddy will kill you. <laughs> I will. Live Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Whew. And we're back. Insomniac Games, makers of Ratchet and Clank, Resistance, and a ton of other games that have made a shitload of money for Sony, have signed a new multi-platform partnership with EA. It seems that this deal is going to break the 16-year streak of Sony exclusivity, and it will allow EA partners the rights to publish a new franchise for the Xbox 360 as well as the PS3. There's been no word yet on what games are going to be coming out in the future, but there, it really opens the doors now for you to see resistance on the Xbox 360 as well as Spyro or Ratchet & Clank. Of course... The, in an interview with Insomniac's Ted Price on 1UP.com, he said the following, Our goal here was to reach even more players by going on the Xbox 360 with this new franchise price. With this new franchise, Price said. However, we are also continuing to work with Sony on various games, and we remain just as committed to our relationship with them as ever. Translation, Sony, we love you, and you give us a lot of money, but Xbox can give us a shitload more. We still love you, though, but we'll gladly take Microsoft's money as well. So, of course, this is great for Xbox 360 gamers that, have, that haven't gotten a PS3 and want to try Ratchet & Clank or Resistance, because you never know. Within the next year or two, you may see some of those franchises on the 360, so we'll see what goes down. I mean, Slick is saying that Resistance and Ratchet are still exclusive, which, of, of course, they are, but there is some sort of a new franchise, so they can just as easily come out with, you know, Ratchet and Clank Bog Racing or, you know, Resistance fucking Chess, and they'll put that on the 360. There will be a way that you can skirt the issue of the IP scenario. Just like Spyro. You can just as easily make Spyro a, a character that'll pop up in a Sonic game on Xbox Live. Just the way shit goes. Of course, they're first-party franchises, Sony is going to hold on to them with a death grip. But there's, where there's a will, there's a way, and there's always a con. Look, if you can see Dom and fucking Marcus Phoenix in Lost Planet 2, you can probably see guys from fucking Ratchet and Clank or Resistance in Lost Planet just the same. That's just the way it goes. It's, it's one of those things where the money makes the rules, and those characters are now fair game. For those of you that have been on Xbox Live this week, I'm more than sure you've seen the Green Day Rock Band demo, which is available. And, of course, if you've played it, you've probably seen that there are four instruments. However, at the end of the demo, there is a fifth instrument, which is rumored to either be a piano, keyboard, or a guitar. Um, this is called How Many More 
musical instruments can we cram into a game? That's what that's called. Don't get me wrong, I like Green Day, I like Rock Band, it's fun, it's cool if you've got a lot of people, but I swear if it's a guitar, I'm going to fling myself off the highest bridge possible. It, it, it's absurd, really, a guitar, like a keyboard maybe, but a fucking guitar, terrible. You know what's going to happen? The next rock band is going to have cowbell. There will be more cowbell. There must be cowbell, period. Because that's what's going to happen. How about rock band with a kazoo? How about fucking xylophone? How about fucking a recorder? How about that, like, second grade rock band with a recorder? Ugh. It's... Slick made a valid point in the chat. It's going to be rock band bundle, 200 bucks. Shit, I'll do you one better. Rock band bundle, 250 bucks. Because that's how it goes. It is... I, look, I like the music games, they're fun, but there's a certain, there's a certain point where you just got to be like, all right, enough, enough with the fucking, with the instruments. You're going to have 19,000 instruments in your house. Do you know how hard it is to store that shit? That's why I never bought Rock Band or Band Hero or, where am I going to put all that shit? It's the two fucking guitars that I got to always, they're always falling from a corner somewhere. Like, I'm going to have to buy, like, a $20 guitar stand that they sell in Rape Stop so I can fucking put the guitars there because the, the instruments end up everywhere. At least with DDR, you roll up the mat and you put that shit under, under the bed or in, a, or in a fucking drawer or something. But Jesus Christ, man. And especially if it's a guitar. I just want to see, like, a big fat guy playing guitar with a whole bunch of other people in a rock band. That alone will make me want to see it happen. It's, oh my God, it really is terrible. But I admire the fact that they're being creative. Now, as I said earlier, let's talk about the Microsoft shakeups that happened in the Xbox division. Robbie Bach, who is the head of Xbox and Entertainment, and Jay Allard have both left the company. Kotaku posted a memo put up by Microsoft CEO and psychopath Steve Ballmer that said both of them are retiring from Microsoft. Number one, Steve Ballmer, I like you. You're a ballsy dude. You're full of shit. No one retires from fucking Microsoft. No one. They just plug you back into the fucking matrix, put you in a tube, and stick you in the basement. The only motherfucker that has retired from Microsoft is Bill Gates. He's the only one. And you want to know why? Because Bill Gates is Microsoft. He has fucking a Windows computer plugged into his fucking spinal cord, and every time he thinks of a great idea, it gets funneled through the inner tubes, goes down to the third floor, and Steve Ballmer magically says, hey, we're going to do this. Look, both Robbie Bach and Jay Allard have had great, great contributions to Microsoft, especially to the Xbox uh, division. Jay Allard allegedly had a big falling out with Ballmer over the Courier program. Uh, the Courier uh, well, the Courier hardware. And for those of you that aren't familiar with it, think of an iPad, but almost a book with two screens. That was Microsoft's attempt at co coming out with something similar to the iPad. Everybody saw it, and they thought it was fantastic because you can close it up like a book. It, had all the, it was pretty much what the iPad is on two screens, but it had far more um, larger uses, you know, note-taking, uh, reading magazines, comic books, the, the works. Pretty much two iPads put together. And Jay Allard 
was allegedly spearheading this, and then Microsoft decided to kill the program. They're saying that that was the falling out with him and Bomber, which resulted in Jay Allard leaving. Now, this is what, um, of course, Robbie Bach will stay with Microsoft until the fall, and here's what Steve Bomber said in his little fucking letter that he put out in his memo. At Microsoft, I've been so fortunate to spend more than two decades of my life working with incredible people and doing amazing things like launching Office, Xbox, and Xbox Live, the Halo franchise, Windows phones, Zune, and more. Oops, sorry, I correct that. That's a, uh, this is a statement from Robbie Bach. Um, that's what he said in his prepared statement. I'm at a time in my life where I want to dedicate more time to my family and my nonprofit work, including my work with the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. I have the utmost confidence in Steve, Don, and Andy and their ability to see through our mission of being extraordinary entertainment and bringing extraordinary entertainment and mobility experiences to life, to life for people around the world. Jay Allard, of course, will, be, will stay on Microsoft, but he will be working as an advisor to Bomber, even after he leaves the company. Nonetheless, the fact is that, and here's what Bomber said, I want, to close, I want to close this memo by thanking Robbie for the incalculable contributions that he has made to Microsoft over the years. He will be greatly missed when he retires this fall. And I'm glad that I'll have the opportunity to continue working closely with him between now and then, Bomber writes. And as Jay makes a similar transition, I look forward to working with him in a new way. That's code for, fuck you guys, I'm glad you're gone, but let's meet up from time to time so I can rape and pillage your brain for ideas. Because I am just a fucking puppet. Look, I like Steve Bomber, ballsy dude. He, he has no problem talking shit. He's like Steve Jobs, but far more eccentric. But at the end of the day, Steve Bomber just stands around and signs fucking letters and memos, and Bill Gates is, is still the guy telling him what to do. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Steve Bomber talks all this shit, blah, 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 I'm in charge. You're full of shit. That's what you are. You are a tasty nugget of shit. Jay Allard and Robbie Bach knew what the fuck they were doing. They realized that just this week, it was announced that Apple is the number one tech company blasting past Microsoft. They got the iPhone 4 coming, you know, the iPhone 4.0 software coming out. They got a new iPhone coming out. You know, the only motherfuckers that can probably take it to Apple right now are Google. Microsoft is a non-factor. Don't get me wrong, I love Windows 7. I like Windows hardware. But Steve Ballmer talks a good game, and he's just out of his fucking mind. It's not possible that these two guys just woke up and said, we're going to retire from Microsoft, where we make ridiculous amounts of money. I think it's total horse shit, but... Who knows? That's corporate politics. We'll never find out what ended up happening, but we'll see if the courier, because they're saying it's going to be implemented in a new way, ever comes to fruition. For those of you that are on the PS3, you're going to have the opportunity to have your money taken from you by HBO, since HBO programming is now available on the PlayStation Store for purchase making it the first game system to offer it on the PlayStation 3, of course. You're going to be able to buy episodes of True Blood, Big Love, Entourage, Eastbound and Down, The Sopranos, Sex in the City, The Wire, Rome, The Ali G Show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Flight of the Concords. So HBO has found a new and innovative way, besides charging you an extra 20 bucks on your cable bill to be part of your cable service, to also take money from you on your console. 
But nonetheless, if you haven't seen True Blood or any of that and don't have HBO, maybe you can buy the season for cheap and watch it on your PlayStation. Congrats to HBO for finding a new way to take money from us. According to the Pocket Gamer website, Sony in a last-ditch effort to make people buy the PSP Go, since not even at gunpoint people are buying them, has decided that if you are in the UK, you'll be able to get at minimum at least 10 free games. According to what Pocket Gamer states, PSP Go owners who registered units after April 1, 2010 will be able to have a choice of up to 10 games. GTA Chinatown Wars, Little Big Planet, and 2010 FIFA World Cup are part of a program that's going to be kicking off sometime in June. Um, according to the UK sales director, Mark Housen, he said the following, we're using the offer as a method to drive the hardware as, as well as making the whole proposition much more appealing. So as long as you're registered, you'll be entitled to free games. Translation, oh God, please buy our system, please. Please, it's $250, but the games are good. God, please buy the system, please. That's what that is. That's their attempt at, at making people buy the PSP Go. Oh, God, please buy it, please. We're begging you, please. Three games, please buy it. That's, that's what they're doing. Because other than that, the PSP Go, no one's buying it. Fans of Duke Nukem, your wait is over. The Duke Nukem Manhattan Project has appeared on the Xbox Live Arcade website. It's going to be a side-scroller like Shadow Complex, and it shall be coming out probably with an M rating. There's no release date yet. But nonetheless, you're not getting Duke Nukem forever, but you'll get Duke Nukem The Manhattan Project. So you can check that out in the coming weeks. Those of you that are fans of Final Fantasy and are DS gamers, you're going to be able to be playing a new game, Final Fantasy The Four Heroes of Light, will be coming out October 5th. Uh, the game has been described as an homage to early RPGs with turn-based battles, and you're going to have the heroes fighting dragons and witches, as well as helping kings and princesses. The job system is going to be returning, and it's going to be called the crown system. It's going to have 20 different roles, including black mages, damn, that's racist, white mages, and rangers. What about brown mages? What about yellow mages? Something? How about... How about Hispanic Rangers? No? Guess not. Nonetheless, Final Fantasy The Four Heroes of Light, October 5th, if you're a DS gamer. Um, according to the latest issue of OXM, I don't even know who buys that anymore, EA is going to be retiring the NBA Live game. I mean, the NBA Live name. Woohoo, I'm shedding a tear. Instead, the company is going to be calling the franchise NBA Elite, a.k.a. whole bunch of overpaid guys throwing a ball into a hoop. Nonetheless, it's going to start with the 2011 title called NBA Elite 11. And it's been confirmed via an image that was sent in from the OXM article in question, and EA Sports NBA Elite 2011 will be launching this fall. Nonetheless, I don't give a shit. I, I, I haven't played a basketball game in ages. I am excited, though, because NBA 2K is going to have Michael Jordan on the cover. It's a rumor and you're going to actually be able to play as Michael Jordan. So I haven't played a good basketball game in a while. The NBA 2K games are fun, and I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan, so I'll probably at least pick that up as a rental. For those, for those of you that are fans of Arkham Asylum and fans of Mark Hamill, much like me, um, in an interview that he gave in IGN UK, he said that this turn as the Joker in Arkham Asylum 2 will be his last. He said that um, Rocksteady 
really, really had to push him to do it once again. And um, they told him that the sequel will be um, his, la- you know, his last opportunity to bring closure to the character. He agreed to reprise the role, and he's adamant that this will be the last time. He stated, this will be my last. There's no question about it. It's the last hurrah. Whatever Rocksteady has planned is obvious enough to get Hamill back on board, and that's reason enough to get excited. I mean, you got to look at it like this. Arkham Asylum was a fantastic game, great presentation, great voice acting, just a, a, a great experience overall. And for a guy that pretty much didn't want to do anything else with the Joker character to come back, the allure must be great, the presentation must be awesome, and I have a feeling the game is just going to be fucking legendary. So definitely props to Mark Hamill. I, you know... I'm actually going to see if I can get him on the show. That would be fucking awesome. And I'm going to try to not talk to him and be a total geek about Star Wars, but I can't help it. It's like, dude, you're the fucking man. You're Luke Skywalker. But um, definitely would love to have him on when Arkham Asylum 2 comes out. So there you go, folks. Maybe my take radio will get lucky and have Mark Hamill stop by. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Joystick.com actually put up a very great article today talking about the fact that it's pretty much almost a certainty that the PlayStation Network will be coming out with a paid version. Um, it's going to be, um, you're going to have new enhanced functionality. The free version will exist. But some of the notables that are going to be in the paid version are exclusive downloadable content, exclusive PSP minis, PS1 classics. You're going to get a first-hour demo of gameplay. You're going to get a Sony protection plan, as well as cross-game voice chat. Oh, Wow. Way to go. Where'd you get that? Oh, I don't know. Xbox Live. Oh, but you got to pay for it. All right. Let's make them pay for it. As of right now, the pricing isn't 100% certain. Are, they are saying that it may be $9.99 a month. Um, we'll see how that goes. But um, I, cross-game chat, all right, sounds good. Exclusive demos, possible. According to what they're saying, it's going to be called PSN Plus. Um, you're you're going to get the whole back catalog of classic PlayStation 1 and PSV mini titles. What I want to know is, are they going to be free? Are you going to be entitled to get a couple free? Um, what kind of exclusive downloadable content are you guys working on? Um, what's the PlayStation protection plan exactly? It, 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 uh, one thing that is of interest, and it's a, it's a huge rumor, is the fact that they're going to allow you to save games to the cloud, and you won't have to save games to the um, to the hardware itself, but it will be a cloud-based save. I'm really, definitely got me interested for sure, just because imagine that you'll be able to have all the stuff saved on the cloud. Your system is safe in case your system ever catches on fire. You can just re-download all your stuff, and all is right in the world. Nonetheless, $9.99 a month sounds a little bit, it is a little bit more than Xbox Live per month, but if the if the goodies are as good as they say, I, I may entertain paying for it. I mean, if you're going to use it just for cross-game chat and you expect me to pay $9.99 for that, I'd rather just play the game in fucking silence. So with that being said, definitely props to them for actually innovating and trying to bring some new stuff out. We'll see how it pans out. E3 is only a few weeks away, so we'll see how it looks. Also, um, Xbox 360 Achievements, uh, gave up a little nugget of information for the Earthworm Jim HD game that's going to be coming out, and it's going to be some sort of multiplayer. Um, two of the achievements that were shown was one for multiplayer, and one is for being number one in the Xbox Live multiplayer levels, and another one is for completing all the multiplayer levels. You don't know how they plan on getting that to work, 
but it'll probably, it may be, you know, some sort of a uh, snot bungee minigame or some bullshit. Nonetheless, definitely looks interesting. I'm a huge Earthworm Jim fan, so I'm definitely looking forward to this. And I'm going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to talk movies right after this. Radio.com. That's where you'll find our radio show. Rich, you dig it, don't you? Yeah, man. He digs it. How come you don't dig it? Fuck you. Get on the internet. BornStuffingRadio.com. Rat bastards. All right. Let's talk some movies. A lot of shit going on. Lines have been a little quiet. I'm assuming that some of you guys are waiting for the movie madness that's going to be spewed out of my mouth this for this week. First off, with Hollywood has taken the opportunity to, ra- to rape comic books, graphic novels. The new thing now is board games and retro toys. And, of course, every so often they dip back into the well and they decide to rape the occasional video game. Well, look no further than their newest attempt, Mass Effect. Uh, Thomas Tull and John Jashney, which were the producers behind The Dark Knight and Spider-Man, have acquired the rights to make the film for Mass Effect. They're going to be working with Marvel Studios' Avi Arad and his son, Ari. Ray Muska and Greg Zeschuk, the founders of BioWare, will executive produce, as will Casey Hudson, who was the executive producer for the game. Warner Brothers will distribute. Um, They're trying to work with Mark, wow, Proto-Savage, who did uh, I Am Legend and Thor, to script the film. Right now it's in early development, but it seems like it's almost a certainty that they will go that route and create a Mass Effect movie. Nonetheless, I have no issue with video game movies. They get made, they suck, we move on. But when you, take mo- get, when you make movies about franchises that make a fuckload of money, you know, Mass Effect, Halo, Call of Duty, God of War... There's a certain measuring stick that has to be met. And the fact is that if you create a movie about Mass Effect and it sucks, then it's just going to be a sucky, shitty space movie. But it's just going to sour the idea of other video games being made into movies. Don't get me wrong. Everything that comes out from another medium, whether it's based on a book or whatever, has its good and its bad. Video games, very straightforward, much like comic books you can pretty much grab the plot right out of the game and make a movie. It's that simple, but no. Hollywood doesn't do that. We want to do something different. Hey, Mass Effect is about this giant galactic war, and blah, 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 and this, this, this alien race invades the galaxy once every 50,000 years, and yada, yada. Simple, right? No. Hollywood's going to be like, hey, why don't we do giant cosmic bunnies that use ray guns that look like dildos? How about that? That'll be the alien race. But, but don't you think the people will be scared of the bunnies? No, because when the bunnies eat vegetables, they turn into giant mutants. Oh, yeah, and it has to be in 3D. That's what happens. That's what Hollywood does. They take a simple, simple concept and just, just jam their fist down the throat of it, rip its heart out, hold their beating heart in its hand, and just go and squish the fuck out of it. That's what Hollywood does with great ideas. Happened to Street Fighter. The first Street Fighter movie with Van Damme and Raul Julia stayed pretty close to the game. Don't get me wrong. The acting was abysmal and it was atrocious, but, but there was some, some semblance of keeping in contact 
with the source material. Then you look at something like that steaming pile of shit, The Legend of Chung Li, and you realize how utter shit, how much utter shit Hollywood can squeeze out of something. The Street Fighter Legend of Chung Li movie was a huge disappointment. Huge. Here's why. Number one, the lead, not really Asian looking. Liu Kang playing Gen? Eh, look past that. Michael Clark Duncan as Balrog? Eh, we're okay with that. Vega looking like a dollar store ninja? No. M. Bison with his nice Armani suit? No psycho power? No really cool... No white pupils? Nothing? Oh, his daughter Rose, blah, blah. No. No. No Ken, no Ryu. You know, the, the main guys in the fucking game. You don't even see them. No Dalsine, no nothing. Oh, fuck you, Hollywood, with that shit. It really is ridiculous. I see that Wolf pointed out that Metroid, Infamous, and Castlevania would make good movies. They would. Out of those three, Castlevania is going to actually be getting a movie made by good old Paul Anderson. So you can be on the lookout for that. I'll probably shit on that in a few weeks as well. Um, in some other news, my favorite comedian, Eddie Murphy, is saying that he will be returning to stand-up. That is the greatest news I've heard this week. I mean, don't get me wrong. Last week, I heard that he was making the clumps, the third. Why? I don't know. How many fart jokes can you cram into another one? Is it going to be 3D? Will Sherman Clump's fat fall out of the screen into my lap? Who gives a shit? The Clumps was an awful fucking movie. But, you know, fart jokes and Hercules, Hercules, and, you know, all that bullshit. People, people watch it. People pay money to see that. So Eddie Murphy's not stupid. But the fact that he's returning to stand-up makes me very happy. I need Eddie Murphy raw. I need Coming to America Eddie Murphy. I need Beverly Hills Cop Eddie Murphy. Nick Nolte 48 Hours Eddie Murphy. Not the clumps Eddie Murphy, not Dr. Doolittle Eddie Murphy, but the Eddie Murphy that when you watched Eddie Murphy Raw, you fell out of your seat laughing. The Eddie Murphy that was just like, you know, you a funny motherfucker. That Eddie Murphy. You know, what is this, Elvis? This is beautiful. That Eddie Murphy. I need that. I need shit like that. I don't need the clumps. I don't need that. If I wanted clumps, I'd finish my dinner and go to the toilet and make clumps of my own. Nonetheless, he said the following. Within the last six months or so, I started to get the itch to do it again. I started writing stuff. I was like, eh, I could go and do 15, 20 minutes right now. Maybe in a couple of months, I'll start working out again. But I'll take a year, it'll take a year before I'm ready to go on the road. It's going to be at, le at least a year to get the rust off, 20 years of rust. Look, Eddie Murphy is a comedic genius. And if he's able to get the rust off and do some stand-up, it, it, it'll be a breath of fresh air. Because all these soft comedies, all these comedians who I loved as I growing up have just become so soft. They've become like big pussies. Like Adam Sandler, I thought he finally turned the corner when um, he did Funny People because he was making fun of himself. But then he just falls back into the same lame old, Boo, I'm better than you, you know, cheapo sight gags. I really hope that these guys, this these guys from that golden age of comedy get their shit together and start putting out quality comedies. Because people shoving down my throat that Bradley Cooper is funny just isn't working. 
Bradley Cooper is moderately funny. He's okay. Owen Wilson, you're not funny. Your broken nose is funny looking. The fact that you look like a, like Joe Camel is funny looking. You, not so funny. Sorry. Your chubby-ass brother Luke trying to sell me on AT&T, not funny either. Vince Vaughn plays the same guy in the same fucking 15 movies, and they're all romantic comedies. You're not funny anymore, dude. Get your shit together. Be more funny. Seriously. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, I want to acknowledge the chat. I see that Nisi said funny people wasn't funny. It is true. Wasn't that funny. But funny people did something that was great, and it was the fact that it showed that Adam Sandler can clearly make fun of himself. Now, can he bring that to other movies? No. Can he make fun of himself? Sure. We can all make jokes on ourselves, and we're very funny with them. But in terms of delivering quality entertainment to people, what happened to Billy Madison? You know, shit like that. It's ridiculous. It's... But, but I'm excited. I'm definitely excited to see Eddie back on the road. And I really hope, I really hope that Russ comes off and he just comes out swinging because we need that. I mean, there's a lot of great African-American comedians out there, but, but the legends, the guys that, that you know, made you want to turn on HBO at 1130 to watch, like Chris Rock, um, you know, Martin Lawrence, those guys, those guys need to, cut, they need to come back and, and bring that, that spark to stand-up that's really missing. The only African-American comic right now, well, two of them, actually, um, fucking Patrice O'Neal is hilarious. If you don't know about Patrice O'Neal, you need to look him the fuck up. Patrice O'Neal is a funny motherfucker. He's hilarious on Opie and Anthony. His stand-up is great. And his, what his, his whole um, spiel on relationships between men and women is fucking gold. So that's your homework assignment. Look up Patrice O'Neill and watch his stand-up, because he's a funny motherfucker. With that being said, before I get into the rest of this week's news, seems we got our first call in. Tacos on line one. What's up, Rick? What's up? What's going on? Uh, Well, I want to go back to the games, to movies. It's not more like me ragging on it, but more of a question. Shoot. Because first off, it's true Hollywood's just fucking up with games that are getting turned into movies. Even Resident Evil, being one of the biggest ones too, they completely changed the storyline. And then even in Part Two, Nemesis was actually being controlled, so he didn't kill every fucker that was in his way. That was true. a big fail there. Um, uh, my question is, would it be better for like for games to movies to stay in a CG form? Like, instead of live action and being CG. Because the only movie, like, game to movie that I ever liked, because they did a great job, and I got to say it was Silent Hill. That's okay. the only one I think. That's the only one I think that stayed more true to the storyline than any other one. Because think about, go back to even Super Mario Brothers. That movie was, it was, it was kind of funny because how they made fun of it, but it was horrible. It had nothing to do with the game either. Well, let me, let me tell you something. When Super Mario Brothers came out, that was during the time when all video game movies were only like the video game in title only. Only. There was no, there was no direct correlation with the game. Yoshi was a little T-Rex. The princess, was fucking, the princess would look like the daughter from different strokes. John Leguizamo, who is 
a spig, and I can say that because I am one, played Luigi. He played an Italian. John Leguizamo, sexaholics, John Leguizamo, Benny Blanco, John Leguizamo, was fucking Luigi. Bob Hoskins. No, you are not Mario. You are not a chubby Italian. You know who was Mario? Captain Lou Albano was fucking Mario. All right? And, and that's just from a TV standpoint. The thing is with video games, if you try and go cartoony with it, nobody will take it seriously. Well, wait, 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 wait. Uh, Sorry for interrupting. But uh, I mean more like CG. Like, did you ever see, watch um, Resident Evil Degeneration? Oh, yeah. That I one... Go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, what I'll say, um, with that movie, though, it wasn't as great as I was expecting it to be. It still was pretty good. Like, it looked, it reminded me of Resident Evil, how it used to be. They were in a closed environment. It wasn't, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? Oh, no, I, I understand, but you've got to look at it like this. The problem with games, when they make the jump to the big screen, whether it's CG or animated, there, there's voice talent that's involved, and a lot of times that's just as expensive as doing live action. The problem is that with CG movies, you know, you can do a lot more, and Hollywood should really go that route because shit would just work, and it'll look just like the game. But no, they, like I said, that, that's what I said in the beginning. When it's a, a simple thing of just converting a video game story to a movie, they drop the ball. Look at Prince of Persia. There's a whole big oh. thing going on because it's not people that are Middle Eastern playing the characters. You know, it, it, it's Chesty Gyllenhaal, Gemma Arden, and, and, and Ben Kingsley. Who in there has even a drop of any kind of Persian anything in them? None of them. It's Jake Gyllenhaal with a fucking tan. It's like, stop. But you know what it is? It's easier to do that because when you, when you use big-name actors, they figure, oh, that'll sell the movie. When you go animated, it has to be like something special, like Shrek, Toy Story. You know, those are movies that are so well done because you have a great studio behind them. Here's one thing. With Marvel working with Disney now, you're going to see more comic movies done in CG just because there's going to be certain characters that nobody's going to pay real money for, like Shan Chi, you know, San Chi, Master of Kung Fu. You're not going to fucking pay nine fifty to go see that in the movies. But, you know, you put that out on a Blu-ray, you make it look good, you throw in a couple of cameos, and you'll pay 8 bucks for it or 10 bucks. It's just how it is. It's just a matter of Hollywood not embracing the right medium to deliver content to viewers. That's just the way it is. Everything has to be live action. Everything has to be 3D now. You know, you've got to have hot chicks, leading men that are built like girls, if that's just the way it is. Like, Jake Gyllenhaal actually looked like he took the time to get in shape, you know, but if you watch the Doom movie or you watch, you know, I, even read the newest Resident Evil that's coming out, you know, Chris Redfield's in it, the guy from Prison Break is playing him, but it's, it's no one's going to give a shit because it's not that accurate to the game. But, again, we'll see how it pans out. I'm not going to shit on Mass Effect until I see a little bit more news regarding it, but... It's definitely something that's going to be worth watching, especially if you're a fan. Anything else, my friend? No, that's all I had to. That's all I had to say. All right, I'm gonna just let, I'm gonna let you go so you could go give Mama some taco flavored kisses. Peace. <laughs> oh, I see a hand raised. Slick must be on line one. Slick. 
What's up, man? What do you got? Uh, coming off of what Waffle said, CG is not helping video game movies at all. Because, I mean, okay. you have... You have freaking Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, which bombed. You got Final yeah, that movie Fantasy. was shit. You got Final Fantasy Advent Children, which nobody gave a shit about to the end where one of the freaking Sephiroth clones turned into Sephiroth. Right. And that was like two minutes that anybody gave a shit about that movie. Right. And... It's like, you got a bunch of other movies. You got the freaking, the Resident Evil movie, which, after they left the airport, that movie went down the fucking toilet. Okay. Because it just got weird, even for Resident Evil after that point. It was like, who who gives a fuck anymore? Just end the fucking movie. Right, I understand that, but... But here's the, here's the thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down, and and I I gotta give some some credit to Waffles for going in this direction. I can see where you disagree, but let me just toss this out there. Let's take uh, God of War. If you were making a live action movie of God of War, who would you choose to play Kratos? Just just answer me that first. What's his name? Freaking um, shit. Why well, can't you're probably going to go with Vin Diesel, are you? Who? Vin Diesel. Yeah, just because See? of the attitude. Right, okay. Basically, Kratos still got a lot of fucking one-liners, and he doesn't have a whole lot of personality. He just he says a line of shit and then just beats the shit out of everything in sight. Vin Diesel's perfect okay. for that. All right, but let's, let's, let's look at this differently. Let's say... All right, I want to make the God of War movie. Okay, I need Vin Diesel to play Kratos. Oh, we can't. Vin Diesel's working on Fast and the Furious 6. All right, fine. We're going to have The Rock play Kratos. Okay, everybody's like, eh, might work. But think of it like this. If it wasn't CGI or it was animated and maintained the same credibility as the game and the same amount of violence, and Vin Diesel just lent his voice to Kratos, wouldn't people go to see it anyway? Yeah, but I see guess what I'm the saying? point because I was trying to make when I said that CG is not what's going to save these, these game-to-movie translations, if you don't have a good story, it doesn't matter what medium you use, the movie's going to be shit. Oh, yeah, exactly. But, but what I'm saying is when, you, when you're doing... Uh, an animated film, and you're pulling it from source material, you know, like like Kratos, like God of War, it's just as easy as, here, motherfucker, play the game. Okay, oh, you're done with the game. Guess what? That's the movie. You know what I mean? Like, that's how easy it is, and it's easier to go that route than to hand it off to a writer and go, write this and make it 90 minutes. That, see, that's the, that seems to be the issue. With, with, with games, I, I feel animated, animated medium or even CGI should only be handled, though, by good companies like DreamWorks or Pixar, and it should really work hand-in-hand hand with the talent. It shouldn't just be, you know, two studios put out there to make a movie. Period. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, looks I mean, like we got a, a troll. Yeah, I see it. Yes, he's gone. There you go. Nonetheless, overall, it, it may work, but again, it's just about source material and giving it to the right to the right people. The fact is, if you take God of War and you give it to Ang Lee, oh yeah, Ang Lee is making God of War. You know, you're going to say to yourself, this is going to fucking suck. Yeah, that's what happened. To a, a freaking action movie. Yeah, but that's what that's happens. What people go. Yeah, people go, they hand it off, and um, people, they go and they get these, these opportunities, and, and the studios, this is what happens. You put out these great games, the studio walks into the, the game developer and goes, we like your product. We want to make a movie. The poor, starving studios, some of them at least, go, okay, here's the rights to the character. Make the movie. Then the movie sucks. Then people get mad at the studio. Then the studio complains. And it's just an endless cycle. The Resident Evil movies, they're not artistic fucking works of art. But they're close to the source material. I'm not saying they're fucking accurate. But they're reasonably close. And once again, main concept. Zombies. Zombies getting shot. Decent lead, uh, funny black guy, and more zombies. You can't really fuck that up. Yeah, it's not great, but it's not the worst shit ever. It's not Street Fighter Legend of Chung Lee terrible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you, you mentioned how, how um, Kristen Kruick didn't look very Asian in we always remarked on the fact that the the little girl that played the young Chun Li was very very Asian, and as she grew up, she just lost all her Asianness. Yeah, she drank the she she went through the white machine. Exactly. That's what happened. It's like hello, then it's like good afternoon, sir. How are you? That's what happened. All right, man. Well, that's all I got for now. So. Um, all right, man. Oh, it's gonna get better. To- all right, let's talk some box office numbers. Uh, Shrek Forever After knocked off Iron Man 2 for the top spot this week. It earned 71 and a quarter million dollars, $16,345 per, per theater. The film had a budget of $165 million. Yeah, it'll probably hit that this weekend. Iron Man 2 dropped to number two. It... Um, Managed 26.6 in its third weekend. It made 251.3. It had a budget of 200 million. Internationally, it's made 255. Worldwide, 506. Pretty successful. Robin Hood dropped to number three, 18.7. Two week total, 66.1. $200 million budget, definitely a bomb. Letters to Juliet, some piece of shit. Number four. 9.1, 9.1, second weekend, $27.4 million total. Just right, no idea what that is. Oh, actually, I think that's that shit with Queen Latifah. Top five, $4.2 million, dropped more than half from its debut weekend. It's only made $14.5 million. McGruber, clusterfuck of shit, debuted at number six. It should have debuted at number 11. Um... $4.1 million, the film had a budget of $10 million. Date Night was number seven, $2.8 million, 
$90.6 million total, budget of $55 million. Nightmare on Elm Street dropped to number eight from number six, uh, $2.3 million. It had a $59.9 million total, had a budget of 35. Successful. They're already working on a sequel. How to Train Your Dragon continues to just make money, um, $1.8 million. It's made 210 and it had a budget of 165 Successful, already working on a sequel. Seems we got another caller on. Let's bring him on. Mike? Yes, sir. What's going on? Yeah, uh, you know, I, want, I heard you talking about the, the possible God of War movie. I want to bring in my two cents about it. Let's hear it. Uh, first, first of all, I think your, your opinion is just as credible as if I picked up a 1993 uh, TV Guide uh, issue right now and started reading it to see what's on TV. Because l let's look at the facts here, buddy. Let's look at the facts here. You know, you got you know you got a big budget movie like uh, God of War, a big budget video game as well. Made millions. Um, possibly one of the only uh, video games to actually have three franchises that did that did excellent, really, really well. Um, uh, you know, and, and you know you can uh, first of all you can listen up now because this is where it gets very credible now. This is the part of the, this is the part of your show that's going to get very credible, you know, instead of the stuff you're spewing out. Now, let's look at the facts. Mortal Kombat, you know, um, did well for its time. You know, didn't get good reviews, but look at it now. It's a cold classic. It's an instant cold classic. You know, you're right. But, I got to yeah, agree with that. You're right. Yeah, but look at, the, you know, and then when you look at the shoddy movies, like, you know, like fucking um, House of the Dead, what a piece of shit that was. I know you agree with me on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're, not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You have a valid point so far. Go ahead. Yeah, and um, House of the Dead shit, and uh, what else? Uh, Max Payne was shit, you know, despite a, uh, a very great story uh, it had in the, in the actual game itself. Hitman was shit. Uh, let's see. Silent Hill? Now, I'm not going to say Silent Hill was shit, but I will say that... Uh, it needed to be improved very much, but, however, it did take off great elements from the game itself, and uh, I will give it that. It, it really stuck to the story, kind of. Uh, I will give it that. Okay. Yeah. And I just want to get your opinion uh, when I say that, you know, I think this God of War, it, it has the slut, like, you know, like the, the Bioshock movie. A Bioshock movie could be well if it's, taken to the right direction, and especially now with, with the graphics and improvements that we have in technology today, I just want to get your opinion on Bioshock as well as more about uh, God of War movie. Well, you know what it is, Mike, I, and, you, and you make a lot of valid points. My, my issue isn't so much making those movies, I, I, on the contrary, I, I like when they make movies based on great selling titles. My issue yeah. always seems to be that Hollywood goes out of their way to ruin something so simple. Exactly, exactly. You know, God of, War, God of War is a great story from start to finish. It pulls stuff right out of Greek mythology. It's idiot-proof. Now, you and I yeah. both know if Hollywood decided to do it, they would, you know, either fuck it up with casting, they would rearrange the story, or it just wouldn't be accurate as, as accurate as it should be. That's what I'm saying. My big gripe isn't so much that the movies aren't made. Same thing with Bioshock. Bioshock is a very easy game, you know, a very easy movie to be made. The guy goes, oh, gets yeah. stuck in this crazy world. You've got tons of special effects. 
It, it really is a no-brainer. And I agree. A lot of these video game movies, abysmal. But you also have to look at the factor that contributed to these movies sucking. And the fact is, they didn't even, they didn't even borrow as much from the games as they should have. Max Payne isn't a hard movie to make. You know, the guy's family gets killed. There's a whole big conspiracy. He tries to find it. As soon as they started trying to make it like the game and, oh, we're going to dive through the door in slow-mo and we're going to make all these crazy drugs and flaming birds, they fucked it up. You see what I'm saying? I have no issue with any of these movies, and, and I agree. They're all shitty but cult classics, but at the same time, you have to take into consideration these are things that Hollywood ruins, and they're so easy to make. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I don't... You know, I, 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 I'm glad that you called in, you know, and I appreciate you being a first-time caller. And, you know, you, you bring up a lot of valid points, but my gripe isn't so much the movie, you know, the product itself. It's yeah. just what Hollywood does to the product that bothers exactly. me. Exactly. You know, that, that, that's what really pisses me off. You know, when, when, I, like, when I see an announcement for a movie, like they're making a God of War or they're making a Bioshock, you know, I get really excited. I do. But, however, something in me dies because I know that, Hollywood's going to find some little sprinkle that they can just speck on there to fuck everything up on that. And you're, and you're right. That, that's, exact, that's my whole gripe, and that that's pretty much seems to be what I hammer home every week. And, you know, I, I start every show off with the hope that a majority of the movie segment or even the game segment will be something more positive, would be steps towards making the film medium more well-liked, especially for us gamers. But what happens is the stuff that we enjoy – like you said, a little part of you dies when you see it turn to shit. Yeah. I agree, man. You, you, you got You're a hundred percent on the ball, man. I give you props okay, for that. Um, first of all, I, okay. I also wanted to get your opinion on a, a subject that the whole wrestling community may be talking about, maybe not uh, criticize or not. I want, I want to get your opinion on Mr. Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger is a great athlete. He's a fantastic athlete. He Thank has you. a lisp. He has a lisp, which is not great. You know, it, yeah. it, it, makes, it, it makes it hard to take him seriously. The, Jack yeah. Swagger's the kind of dude that you have to do like Chris Benoit in the old days. He doesn't talk. He goes in there and he wrestles and that's it. The problem is that wrestling in general is so focused on creating characters instead of letting the wrestling do the talking that if you watch, an, if you watch Monday Night Raw on, a, on, on, a, on at least one out of – once a month, it's going to be five minutes of wrestling, an hour and a half of just backstage and skits and talking. And it's true, the talking helps set up the matches, it helps set up the feuds, but you've got to yeah. take into consideration that it's the wrestling that people are watching. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm a bit, myself, I'm a big-time Jack Swagger supporter, but what I hate is how WWE jobs them out to these big stars. I mean, WWE has been jobbing not even big stars as well. He just dropped out to, uh, you know, he's been dropping out to, like, John Morrison. He could have easily put away John Morrison if they want to put him on a pedestal. If they want to make him championship material, they should at least have him uh, beat John Morrison in those two matches that they had a few weeks ago. And that's what well, I'll, I'll, sense. No, you're, and, and you're right, but I'll tell you what happened. What happened with Jack Swagger, and if, and if you read any of the wrestling websites as of late, you'll see what happened. What happened is that the Jack Swagger title reign came from the fact that originally Drew McIntyre was supposed to be getting the big title reign and, and the yeah. big push, but people just are, they're saying that WWE's kind of soured on him. They feel that he's, uh, 
you know, he's not connecting with the crowd, which is true. Drew McIntyre comes out, I change the channel. The problem is yeah. Jack Swagger got, a, got kind of put into that position because they realized, all right, we got a kid that can wrestle. He's a good athlete. You know, he needs a little work on the mic. Let's just give him a, a title reign and let him run with it. I, I actually think that they're doing decently well with him. See, him and the Big Show's match was good in the way that it ended with a DQ because Jack Swagger didn't look weak, and it kept the Big Show relevant, which hasn't yeah. happened in a long time. You know, and Jack Swagger, if you, if you use him the right way, you don't give – on the contrary, he'd be a great, a great character to have a manager or a valet to, to do the talking for him. That way he can just go out and be a badass. Unfortunately, you know, WWE is written by soap opera guys, so they go for comedy, they go for sight gags. So, you know, they're playing up the whole list thing and, and the bullshit. Yeah. They're not playing up the fact that the guy's a good athlete. Which I also wanted to point out, you know – I think the best thing that WWE is, excuse me, was doing was the whole Batista heel thing. I think Batista makes an awesome heel. He is an yep. excellent heel. Yeah, but he's very injury prone, and the problem is yeah. that he's he, he's he's too high on himself. It's like, dude, you're 40 years old. You get hurt just by oxygen coming out of you the wrong way. You're not in a <laughs> position to talk a lot of shit. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a don't yeah. a fantastic bad guy. He's he's the guy. That, you know, when you used to read comic books as a kid, he'd be the guy kicking sand in the geeky guy's face. That's the character he is. He's on better than you character, and that's great. But the problem is he's very injury prone, and he doesn't add much dimension to his character. He's like, I'm a pretty big, you know, I'm a pretty boy big dude, and I'm going to come out, and I'm going to give my badass promo. I'm going to give my powerbomb, hopefully not break anything, and walk out. And that shit got real old real fast. Exactly. And, uh, you know, if you don't mind, I would like to be a guest on your show one of these days. Uh, you know, because I am a I'm a journalist here in San Antonio. I write a, a wrestling journal, uh, excuse me, a wrestling column every single oh. week. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I would love to... what? Yeah. Head, um, go over to um mytakeradio.com. There's a uh, uh, guest form. Just fill that out, and um, we'll work something out with all your contact information. That's cool. And uh, you know, one more thing I wanted to point out is the. Uh, the whole um, Brian Danielson uh, thing, I want I want to get your opinion on that. I think Brian Danielson has a bright future ahead of him. I think WWE needs, needs to use him as Brian Danielson immediately. They need to push him. They need to keep him in the spotlight. He will be something good one of these days, and I wanted to get your opinion on him. Oh, well, you know what? Rest easy on that because it, it, it is happening. I think that the whole thing with him and Michael Cole is the setup. You know, you, yeah. needed, the right, you needed the right catalyst, and I actually have to admit, that it's the WWE actually doing something really good with them in the sense that they, they needed the right catalyst. And, you know, the guy has, you know, decades of wrestling experience behind him, but he just wasn't, it was hard to get him to connect with people. Like people, he'd come out, people would cheer him because he was a great wrestler and that's great. But they needed something more. They needed something that they could connect with. And, you know, one of the best ways to, to connect with somebody is to put them in your shoes. You go to work, you're a journalist. If somebody constantly berates you and shits on you, and, and, and embarrasses you in public, you want to make a spectacle of that person, especially in front of other people, and it makes you look better, and it makes that person look like a jackass. Michael Cole yeah. has, been bred, has been bred on NXT, at least, to be the bad guy announcer, which hasn't happened in a few years. And it's great yeah. that Danielson came and whooped his ass because it solidified Danielson. It made people cheer him even more, and he automatically became a, a fan favorite. And I think that the whole thing with Michael Cole is going to lead probably – to Michael Cole aligning himself with a wrestler that he'll 
feud with Brian Danielson, and nine out of ten, it's going to be the Miz. Exactly, and you know that's what I want to see happen. I want to see a match. If Miz gets his U.S. title back, I've been wanting to see Danielson and Miz for the U.S. title. That's what I've been wanting to see. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out, man. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, I guess thanks, I'll. Thanks uh, for the call, man. I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, just hit up the site, send me your contact information, and we'll work something out. We can uh, have you on. We'll talk some wrestling. Hey right, man, sounds good. Nice talking. All right, brother. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Later. All right, that was Mike, ladies and gentlemen. Um, he will be a guest probably in the near future. Like I said, Mike, definitely go to mytakeradio.com, put in your information. We'll work something out, and we can talk wrestling and movies, and you can share your views with the rest of my audience. Um, moving on, want to definitely talk about. Uh, which is a rarity for me. I want to talk about some TV stuff. doesn't happen often, but there's a couple of things that definitely came across my desk that I wanted to talk about. Uh, first off, Charlie's Angels. You know, the TV show, which later became a movie. Guess what it's coming back as? A TV show. Charlie's Angels will be coming back to ABC. Um, Alfred Goh and Miles Miller, former executive producers of Smallville, will write the show. Um, ABC is developing the show with a pilot order, and then a mid-season launch. Uh, Drew Barrymore, Leonard Goldberg, and Nancy uh, Juvonen will be producing the show. Goldberg served as executive producer from the original series from 1976 to 81. Now, I'm more than sure this is capitalizing off the popularity of V, which is fine. I have no issue with Charlie's Angels coming back. You know, what's old is new again. V isn't a terrible show. They've been doing a great job with it. Maybe Lightning will strike twice and Charlie's Angels will fare just as good. Remains to be seen. I mean, when they brought back Knight Rider, Knight Rider didn't do as well as everybody expected. They tried to capture the whole Transformers vibe. Didn't go as well as it should have. But uh, nonetheless, it should be interesting. Uh, for those of you that are fans of Glee, um, Fox has picked up a third season. The second season hasn't even started yet. Glee is the number one new scripted series among adults 18 to 49, as well as adults 18 to 34. It's averaged 9.4 million viewers per household. Now, the second season of the show won't begin until the fall, and it seems that Fox Entertainment president Kevin Riley had the following to say. Everything about Glee, from the concept to the characters to the marketing, has been innovative and risky. But with the series creator Ryan Murphy tapping into the, the zeitgeist, the risk is paid off with this truly remarkable series. Glee has one of the most active, devoted fan bases I've ever seen. My fiance is part of them. We wouldn't be more thrilled to give Gleeks a third season. We'd be, we couldn't be more thrilled to give Gleeks a third season of their favorite show. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about Glee. I don't watch the show. Not something that, that got my attention. Uh, my fiance watches the show. She enjoys it greatly. She finds much amusement in it. A um, couple of people I know enjoy it. The fact is that Glee is very innovative. It's one of those things that comes along. It's a rare gem that comes along that just sneaks up on you, and you realize, wow, this is really good. It's like a community on NBC, um, lost when, when, it, when it first came out, and then through some of the spotty seasons. Same thing. These are shows that, once again, they're original novel ideas that just sneak up on you and end up becoming successful. Modern Family is another one. You can go down, you know, you can go, you can monk, you can go that route. Burn notice, you can go that route. Um, white collar, 
the, the, these are shows that are just well written. They got a great cast of characters behind them that make them successful. I'm not surprised Glee got a third, a third season. You know, I like the what Ark mentioned, Lie to Me and Nurse Jackie. Nurse Jackie's a a, a great show as well. Um, that's what happens. There, there's a lot of great creative minds out there that are putting out quality product on a smaller medium. TV is, is a gift and a curse because if you're really successful on TV, you may not have the opportunity to branch out into Hollywood because you're going to always be typecast as a TV star. But the fact is there's a lot of great programming that has really taken hold on TV. And it seems, at least to me, that in some respects, television is doing a better job than Hollywood at being creative and innovative. So Hollywood should definitely take notice of what TV is doing. I mean, a lot of the stuff, yeah, some of it is really repetitive. I mean, if you watch Stars, you can see Spartacus. Spartacus is definitely like Rome, which was the HBO series, but it has its own uniqueness that, make, that stands it out and separates it from other programming. So definitely props to Fox for picking up Glee for a third season. I want to see how this Charlie's Angels thing pans out, but um, should be interesting. Also, in referencing what Mike said in, in, in the earlier call about Hitman being a shitty movie, he can take pride in the fact that there's going to be a second Hitman movie. According to Deadline, Daniel Benmayor, who did a movie called Paintball, has been hired to direct Hitman 2. It's not known if Timothy Oliphant is going to return, but it's will, it will be starting production in the fall. Um, Kyle Ward wrote the script, which is said to have elements from the game Hitman 5. The, her, the first Hitman film was made for $30 million, and it made $99.9 million worldwide. So, not a total loss. I mean, it's going to borrow plot elements from a game. Let's see how close it is. Timothy Oliphant as, as 47 was good. He wasn't great. There's probably a million bold white guys out there that could probably do just as good, if not a better job. But Timothy Oliphant wasn't terrible. So, should be interesting. Uh, for those of you that remember the 1997 Quentin Tarantino classic Jackie Brown, take note that they will be doing a prequel. Quentin Tarantino is not involved with the project, but he is giving his blessing. The film is going to be titled Switch, and it's going to be based on the 1978 Elmore Leonard novel of the same name. It's going to be adapted by Daniel Schechter. Leonard's 1982 novel, Rum Punch, the sequel to Switch, was what was adapted to make Jackie Brown. Of course, the movie is going to involve younger versions of Ordell, Robbie, Louis Gara, who were the secondary characters in Jackie Brown. Um, of course, they're going to tell the origin of how those guys came together, and it's just going to tie into the Jackie Brown movie. Again, prequel, not too thrilled about it because Jackie Brown was a really great movie, but it, it should be something that, if done right, may be good, and if Tarantino's given his blessing on it, I'm really hoping they do the, the source material justice, one being the Elmore Leonard novel, two being Jackie Brown. We'll see how it plays out. Um, also, Deadline reported that ABC picked up a new show called Ghost World, um, which is coming out from Ian, from Ian Sander and Kim Moses, who created the Ghost Whisperer. Um, the synopsis for the show is, Ghost World is about a ghost on the other side who helps an ambitious young female homicide detective solve crimes in the hopes of uncovering clues to his own life and death, and centers on the mysterious, intense, and sometimes infuriating connection the two feel toward each other. Translation, let's take the movie Ghost, add, some, add a little bit of law and order, and put it on TV. Sounds interesting. I'll probably watch it. I'll probably watch it an episode to see how it goes. Um, for those of you that are fans of the Kung Fu Panda movie, know that Gary Oldman has been added to the cast of the second Kung Fu Panda film, The Kaboom of Doom. 
Here I saw the kaboom of doom was when a fat person went to the bathroom, but whatever. DreamWorks announced that Michelle Yeoh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and Victor Garber have also joined the cast, which includes Jack Black, Angelina Jolie, Dustin Hoffman, Jackie Chan, Seth Rogen, Lucy Liu, David Cross, and James Hong. Oldman will be voicing a character named Lord Shen, which in this particular movie will be a peacock. He is the new villain. Yo, Michelle Yeoh is, vo- is voicing a character called the Soothsayer, which is a goat, and Van Damme and Garber round out the cast as Master Croc and Master Thundering Rhino, respectively. Kung Fu Panda the Kaboom of Doom is set for May 27, 2011. Five Bucks says it's 3D. Five Bucks says it's going to make a shitload of money. Um, what is this? Ah, I see. Got a little PM from Slick. All right, Slick, we'll see what's going on. I'll, I'll take your call, Jason, in one second. Uh, Martin Scorsese is working on a new, uh, new movie idea. He's going to be doing a biopic on Frank Sinatra. As of right now, rumored to be playing Frank Sinatra are some of the following actors. Johnny Depp, Leonardo DiCaprio, and George Clooney are all in the running to play Frank Sinatra. Scorsese recently admitted that Robert De Niro and Al Pacino were both in his mind for the role of Dean Martin. I'd rather go with Robert De Niro just because a lot of money is going to be spent filming Al Pacino from the floor up since he's very short and he's going to need a really big wig. Um, before I continue with the movies, I'm going to take this next call. Jason, you're on the air. Hey, what's up, man? What's going on, dude? Man, uh, you know, I have to uh, say that I agree with everything that, uh, that Mike K. guy was saying, and uh, I, I think that you should have him as a, you definitely should have him as a guest in the near future. I would like to see uh, you and him converse about, you know, the, 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 the happenings in wrestling nowadays and the past and all that, that would that would be just something good that I would like to hear. Well, we'll see what happens. If he sends his information through, we'll definitely uh, give it a shot for sure. I definitely would like to hear more about what he has to say. Seems he's got a lot of fans out there. You're, call, uh, you're the second person calling in, uh, giving him a, a little bit of a shout-out. Of course, him being the first, um, ad- plugging his material, but... Definitely, I you know if he puts his material through, we'll definitely give him a shot on the show. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to first. I wanted to ask your opinion on Drew McIntyre, but but first I wanted to uh, say, uh, what do you think about the, the new Charlie's Angels? The what? Oh, the new the the, the new Charlie's Angels is just going to be a wait and see thing. Uh, the fact is that I'm I'm just going to reserve judgment. I mean, TV's gotten a lot more creative, like I said. Yeah, some of the old remakes aren't that great, but, um, I mean, you know, it's a wait-and-see approach. I mean, TV is one of those things where if it bombs after two or three episodes, they'll cancel it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like some surprise hits, you know, such as Scrubs and uh, and uh, that one show you mentioned, um, what was it? Uh, what, Burn Notice? Uh, Burn Notice, there you go, Burn Notice, and, you know, those shows I I never expected to take off, you know. Uh, like every time I watch Raw, then it's Burn Notice, and that's when I turn off the TV. But <laughs> nah, I watch Burn well, Notice. Yeah, Burn Notice. I'm actually looking forward to the season premiere. It comes on uh, next Tuesday, I believe. Yeah. No, uh, next Thursday, I believe. Yeah, it should be great. And um, I just want to uh, yeah get, also get your opinion on your strong. Uh, opinion on uh, Drew McIntyre? Uh, great athlete, zero charisma. None. People come out, he comes out, can't connect with the fans, 
people practically hate his guts. They've tried pairing him with Matt Hardy. They've tried pairing him with different guys in feuds. The guy just can't seem to catch a break. He either needs a new gimmick or he needs to work on his quote-unquote persona more. Him just being Mr. McMahon's golden child is not something that's going to automatically make him over with the fans. Exactly. And what I like to do is I like to go down a, a so-called list of wrestlers that are expected to be released this year or within the next six months. And uh, it looks like um, right now it looks like WWE has has their asses in line finally. But uh, I, sh- I wouldn't hold my breath long, though, because, you know, the releases will be coming and the releases will be will be there. And I think Mark Henry is one of them. Uh, what do you think? What do you think is going to be next? Mark, well, I think Mark Henry, Mark Henry has a, has a very long contract. They're really trying to get the most out of Mark Henry. He's been a good guy. He's been a bad guy. They put the belt on him. They put him in a couple of tag teams. Um, it's going to be one of those things where it's a wait-and-see approach. I mean, Mark Henry probably won't be released anytime soon. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are being tested out. You know, Carlito got released recently um, because of the whole rehab issue. Um, him testing, um, him being addicted to painkillers being a factor. I mean, they're going to find ways to free up money or as it is. Right now, I think they got a pretty good crop of talent. you got the NXT guys that they can probably bring up and work with those guys. So little by little, it, those guys that are being groomed, they're going to get called up just because there's a lot of guys on the shelf with injuries. So I think there's not going to be many releases for the time being. I think Mark Henry still has probably another year or two with the WWE unless something – catastrophic happens, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, and uh, my my opinion on uh, Randy Orton is that um, I have a strong opinion. It's like a love-hate thing. Like, one, you know, one week I'll, I'll, I'll hate the hell out of that guy, personally, too, because I know Randy Orton in real life has a real bad attitude, just like his character, as I've read, and... Um, I, I, I like Randy Orton. He could be. He's a great heel. I don't think he works really as a face because he's, nope. he's, he's too he's too dark. You know, he's too dark and sinister. And um, he was better as a heel. And uh, I hate. I also hate the fact that they're trying to little pass him off as sort of a stone cold character. You know, doesn't obey yep, rules. as a tweener. Yeah, as a tweener. Yeah, and I think um, of course, of course, there will never be another stone cold Steve Austin. But nope, um, never happening. No, but I think Randy Orton, he's slowly learning to pull it off, but I don't, I don't think he actually will be, you know, I mean, as good, of course. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he's going to be, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's, he's, he's slowly developing before our eyes. He's becoming a better performer, a better wrestler. He's just got to try not to stay injured. Yeah, and... Um, Last but not least, I want to get your opinion on John Cena. John Cena is the Hulk Hogan of our modern-day WWE universe. Um, I wrote a really lengthy article about it on, on MyTakeRadio.com. He's, he, he's a great ambassador for the sport. The children love him. Um, it's just one of those things where, it's the, it, it, the, to use a cliché term, we've seen enough. You know, it's the same it's the same shtick every week. I'm going to yell into the microphone. I do the salute. I love the kids, blah, blah, blah. And he's a, he's a great ambassador, but he just needs something fresh, something new, something different to be relevant. I mean, right now he comes out, and I'm like, all right, I'll yeah. fast forward or I'll change the channel until the match is over because it's the same thing. 
Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to sound like, okay, now, first of all, I don't want to sound like any other uh, Internet geek out there, but I will say that I really do, really do, and I know this is kind of a cliche also, but I really do miss his uh, old school, you know, persona that he had. Uh, You're not alone. With, yeah, coming out with the raps and everything. I think that was pure genius. I think he would have stayed here with that. That would have been something big, uh, something unique, you know? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, he's a they, – they, they had – they figured he caught on with the kids. Let's milk the kids for, for all the money we can because, you know, that's, that's a consistent cash flow. And he connected with the kids. And, you know, WWE is not dumb in terms of capitalizing on it, but they're just yeah. alienating like all the other fans. Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. And first of all, you know uh, – now, um, you know, like, for me, John Cena, like, John Cena as the man, you know, I respect John Cena, the man, uh, of course, the man outside wrestling, I respect him, he, he, is a very, he is a very hard worker, I know this man sees him as the, uh, you know, he, he's a, he's a hard worker, you know, you can't deny that, you can't deny Cena isn't a hard worker, he, he does put this, he's a, no, I mean, and it's true, he, he's a hard worker, he, he puts himself before, he puts the company before himself, He's done great things with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I mean, I've, you know, I've had some involvement with Make-A-Wish for, for other reasons, but great, great ambassador for the sport. He's great for the kids. I just, you know, in terms of, uh, of character development, his character has run its course. But um, with, that, with that being said, man, um, you know, I just got 30 minutes left in the show, but I, I appreciated the call. All right, man. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks for calling. Later. All right, just to jump back into the movies real quick. Um, let's congratulate Avatar for becoming the next billion-dollar franchise. Uh, I mean, not Avatar, Alice in Wonderland, sorry. It's joining Avatar at the billion-dollar mark. Um, Avatar is number one, $2.7 billion. Titanic is two, Lord of the Rings is three, Pirates of the Caribbean is four, The Dark Knight is five, and Alice in Wonderland is six. The fact is, that with the continued 3D craze and the expensive tickets that are coming out, the right movies are going to continue to make these sort of numbers. You know, Avatar definitely and Alice in Wonderland with the 3D, you know, $15 tickets. While it is a great and impressive milestone, I feel that much like Barry Bonds' baseball record, it deserves an asterisk because, you know, they, they, they do got their own sort of steroids in the sense of, of uh, high-volume ticket sales. You know, it's not... At Titanic, when Titanic came out in 1997, I was 17, I worked in a movie theater, and the tickets back then were seven bucks a piece, eight bucks a piece, popcorn was cheaper, concessions were cheaper. It, you know, there, there's really huge factors like this that, while again, great movies and they're getting great money, but it's really getting to the point of, you know, you've got to start looking at these numbers just with a little bit more of not so much disbelief, but just cold facts that, wow, I'm not surprised it made a billion dollars when the tickets are 15 bucks, but Alice in Wonderland, newest one to make the billion dollar mark worldwide. Uh, Christian Bale is in movies this week. He, uh, according to Bloody Disgusting, he's going to be involved in a movie called The Revenant, which is going to be a revenge film by Aussie director John Hillcoat. Mark L. Mark L. Smith, who did Vacancy, wrote the script. I'm actually looking forward to this movie. The plot is really good. It's um, based on a, on a 2003 novel from Michael Punk, which recounts the tale of a, of a frontiersman named Hugh Glass, 
who um, he was a member of a fur trapping expedition in the Rocky Mountains in 1823, and the guy, um, Hugh Glass, got mauled by a grizzly bear. Uh, the captain left him, Hugh Glass, with two other guys, this guy John Fitzgerald and this other guy named Jim Bridger. They were supposed to stay with Glass until he died from his injuries. Turns out that the two guys ended up ditching Glass because they were afraid that the Indians would get to them. It turns out that Glass then proceeded to crawl 200 miles through the wilderness to get revenge on the two men. The concept sounds really good. Revenge movies are always good if they're well done. Christian Bale is a great actor, especially in movies like that. Um, if you watch... Uh, what the hell is the movie? Shit, the one with the magicians. Why can't I think of it? Fuck. Anyway, nonetheless, Christian Bale... Definitely, the, the, the plot for this movie intrigues me. I actually want to find out about this novel um, because the plot itself just sounds really cool, and I want to see what, uh, how it plays out. So I'm, I'm really hoping that he is involved with this project, and I'm actually going to see if I find the book either on Amazon or in the library. We'll see what's going on with that. Um, the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that there are five actors in the running to play Peter Parker in the upcoming Spider-Man reboot. If you are IMDb users, you can check these guys out yourself, but I'll run down the list and give you the names. Jamie Bell, he's uh, 24 years old. He was in Billy Elliot, Jumper, King Kong, and Tintin. I believe in Jumper, he played the other Jumper with uh, Hayden Christensen, if I'm right. Uh, Frank Delane, 19 years old. He was in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Andrew Garfield is 27. I don't know how he's going to play a teenage Peter Parker. He was in the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, Red Riding, and Lions for Lambs. Josh Hutcherson, 17 years old. He was in Bridge to Terabithia, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and he's also in the upcoming remake of Red Dawn. Alden, um, wow, this guy's name is fucked up. Aaron Reich, 20 years old. He was in Steven Spielberg's Tetro, and he's in Sofia Coppola's Somewhere. Um, these are your top five candidates. Of course, there's probably more guys out there that may play Peter Parker, I've heard Zac Efron. I've heard the guy from Percy Jackson. I, I've heard tons of guys that are in the running. But these guys, from according to The Hollywood Reporter, are the five that they're looking at close. There may be other contenders, but Spider-Man won't be out till July 3rd, 2012, unless the world explodes in a giant ball of flame by then. We'll, we'll have to wait and see how it goes. But all these guys, I'm really not sure about the 27-year-old guy. And... Um, not sure about the 24-year-old guy if you're trying to do a teenage Spider-Man and you're trying to make a franchise out of it. Um, you get a 27-year-old guy that starts it now. You, you do three movies. He's going to be 30 or 33 if they come out every three years. Definitely not a good thing. Of course, a few weeks back, I talked about Fast and the Furious, and there is going to be a fifth one. It's going to be called Fast Five. They're going to be filming it in Puerto Rico in July and August. Um, Puerto Rico is going to be the backdrop that's going to be called Brazil in this movie. So, of course, Puerto Rico's doubling, uh, stunt doubling as Brazil in this movie. Um, in this particular installment, Dom and Brian, you know, Vin Diesel and the always charismatic Paul Walker, are fugitives being pursued by relentless lawmen. Right now, The Rock is involved, Tego Calderon is involved, Don Omal is involved. Um, they're all expected to join the cast. Uh, Fast Five is currently set to be released June 10th, 2011. So... We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Warner Brothers announced a slate of movies that's going to be coming out for 2011. The following movies are going to be released in addition to some of their upcoming superhero projects as well. 
First off, they said that the next Batman movie will be out July 20th, 2012. They also said that during the 2012 holiday season, you're going to be seeing the next Superman film. They're also working on greenlighting a Flash movie, as well as developing movies for Wonder Woman, Aquaman, which fucking awful, and Mad Magazine characters. Yeah, if you're just going to do a movie about Alfred E. Newman, no one's going to give a shit. It's about as worthless as Aquaman. Let's make a movie about a guy that talks to fish and call it Avatar. No one gives a fuck about Aquaman. If you're going to do a movie, yeah, do The Flash because he's kind of cool. I mean, if, if you're going to do a Justice League movie, which I'm sure they're going to do, then make the Aquaman like straight to DVD or some shit because no one's going to give a shit about it. Nonetheless, Warner, Brother, Warner Brothers also gave out the schedule for other projects, which, of course, um, here are the rest of the wonderful movies they'll be releasing. Red Riding Hood, April 22, 2011. The Hangover 2, May 26, 2011. Green Lantern 3D, June 17, 2011. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, because it's going to be a two-part uh, movie, of course, July 15th. Journey to the Center of the Earth 2 in 3D, also September 23, 2011. Happy Feet 2 in, guess what, 3D, November 18, 2011. New Year's Eve, which allegedly is supposed to be the sequel for Valentine's Day, is December 9, 2011. The Hollywood Reporter also reported that Sherlock Holmes 2 will be coming out December 16, 2011, joining the rest of the movies that I stated before. So, it's going to be a, 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 a definite cash flow year for Warner Brothers. I mean, Green Lantern I can see being successful. The Hangover 2 should do pretty well. Um, Harry Potter, of course, is just a given. Happy Feet is a given. Journey to the Center of the Earth 2, not so much, but we'll see how it pans out. In some X-Men first class casting news, James McAvoy, who was in Wanted, is going to play a young Professor X in X-Men first class. Uh, this particular film is going to focus on the beginning of the X-Men stories with uh, Charles Xavier and Eric Lenscher for AKA Magneto. It's going to tell about the two men being friends and discovering their powers for the first time before they were arch enemies. It's going to have some other mutants, some familiar and some new. It's also going to show how the rift developed between them and how Magneto went on to lead the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants against Professor X's X-Men. The film will be released June 3rd, 2011. So, uh, definitely a solid casting choice with McAvoy. He's a, he's a good actor. Um, I'm wondering if he's going to shave his head or not, or if he's going to lose his hair at some point in the movie. Should be interesting to see it pan out. And, of course, last but not least, Bruce Willis is in talks to star in a movie called The Tomb, which is going to be a prison, a prison escape drama from Antoine Fuqua, who did Training Day. He's uh, slated to direct. I actually am intrigued about this movie as well, because the plot sounds really interesting. Uh, Bruce Willis is going to play a character named Ray Breslin. He's the foremost authority on structural security. Um, he actually helps design and create maximum security prisons, and um, he has a, a vast variety of survival skills which he uses to design these escape-proof prisons. Turns out that he ends up being framed and incarcerated in a master prison that he designed, and of course he has to find a way to escape this prison and find the person who put him behind bars. Definitely a unique concept. Sounds interesting for sure. Um, Antoine Fuqua did a great job with Training Day. That's an awesome movie. Um, he, made, he made Denzel Washington so awesome in that flick. So I can definitely see the same treatment being done for Bruce Willis. Um, definitely intrigued about The Tomb. And like I said, I'm intrigued about uh, The Revenant as well with Christian Bale. 
that's going to wrap up the movie news. Um, that actually is going to wrap up the show for this week. Just want to go down the list of plugs and a couple of people I got to thank. Uh, RazorClothing.tv, that's Razor Rob's website. You can go there, get some of the Razor clothing wear that he has. He's actually, I believe, at the UFC Expo this week. He'll be fighting in July. Um, I'm going to see if I have him stop by to help promote his fight and also to just talk about what happened with the Ultimate Fighter this season. GoCreedGo.com is the website for Austin Creed, um, a.k.a. Consequences Creed from TNA. GiantSparrow.com is Max Geiger's video game project from The Deadliest Warrior. You can head over to GiantSparrow.com. Uh, Dr. Armand Dorian's vitamin water with Reservatol. Head over to DrinkDocsDox.com. The crew at GirlGamer.com for always being so supportive. MMAValor.com also for supporting My Take Radio. Shout out to MMA Gospel. You can listen to them Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Gospel, as well as their site, fighters.com. Props to MMA Hot Stuff, of course, for supporting the show. Darksiders.com for putting out a kick-ass game. Darksiders 2 is being worked on. Hopefully I'll have Hayden Dalton back in a, in a couple of months so that we can discuss Darksiders 2. You can check out Hayden Dalton's blog. It's Hayden Dalton together. .wordpress.com. Shout out as always to the VGN Radio crew, vgnradio.com, clevelandsportsradio.com, and Midwest Wasteland. Uh, Don Anderson's show, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, is Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Check it out. Stop by. Tell Donnie that, we, that My Take Radio sent you and show your support. Of course, OC Remix for kicking out all that awesome video game music that we use each and every week. 411 Mania for delivering some of the best wrestling news out there, as well as MMA and video game news. Props to those guys. MMAJunkie.com, obviously. MMA news uh, delivered from a reputable and reliable source. FilmDrunk.com. Vince Mancini was here last week as my guest. Um, Definitely a kick-ass interview. He's an awesome dude. Head over to FilmDrunk.com so you can see some of the shit that he puts up about some of the stuff that Hollywood's putting out. He really gives it such a great and unique spin Um, If you're a fan of the way I shit on Hollywood, you'll definitely love FilmDrunk.com. With that said, you've just listened to My Take Radio episode 44 for Thursday, May 27, 2010. If you'd like to contact me either for guest inquiries or general inquiries, you can email me at mtrhost at gmail.com, or you can fill out the guest inquiry form on MyTakeRadio.com as well. If you're on Twitter, you can follow my personal account. It's Akuma25, A-K-U-M-A. 2025, or you can follow the My Take Radio show account. It's just My Take Radio altogether is one word. If you're still playing around on MySpace, look for us on there. It's myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And if you're on Facebook, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your one-legged uncle to stop over at the Facebook fan page, become a fan, show your support. I'm trying to put different news on the Facebook fan page to keep people there, and they can enjoy it just the same. Um, As always, I want to thank Slick for all his work behind the scenes and the rest of the My Take Radio crew. Um, shout out to the uh, MySpace video game forum that comes in here and listens to my bullshit usually every week. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. And um, definitely looking forward to working with some of you on some other special projects in the coming months. Um, Ark, I'm looking at you for that. And Slick as well and a few others. Nonetheless, thanks for your support. Thanks for listening every week. And with that, I'm out. I'll see you guys next week. Peace. Take us out, Epic NES.